you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Big wheels keep on turning. Proud Mary keep on burning. Rising, rising, rising on a hedron. Right. All right. Some credence to start the day. CCR. CCR. ZNR. Zendikar Rising. What's up, <laughs> everybody? Y'all are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Okay, so preview season is over, which means it's now set review season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is set review season. It's been a while, it feels like, since we've done a set review, honestly. It feels like we did nothing but set reviews for like six weeks straight, <laughs> and then we didn't do them for a little while, and that felt weird, and yeah. now we're back. So this is our best new commanders set review for Zendikar Rising. So uh, recently, we started splitting up the set review because it got too long. So in this episode, we're going to cover just the legendary creatures, the cards that can be the commander of your deck. And then in a future episode, we will do all the cards that are meant to go in the 99 of your decks. Yeah, but before we get into it... Wow, we're going to mention a lot of cards today, a ton of synergies, a lot of sweet build-arounds, as well as some things that you may not have realized were even cards, because, of course, with new sets and new mechanics becomes comes new things that you may never f- remembered or, f- or forgot about entirely in Magic. And to get those cards, a long-winded way of getting around to it, go to cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. There you can pick up singles from Zendikar Rising, anything that you want to buy sealed product-wise, boxes, booster boxes, VIP packs, collector's boosters. There's a whole list of things these days. I can't even get track keep track of it yeah i can't but <laughs> if you want to keep track of it the best place obviously to do so is at cardcamecom slash command zone that's our affiliate link it's so easy you just type it in and boom you're on the website it's the exact same shopping experience but now you get the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting this podcast plus you get the cards in the best condition and to you the fastest yeah. of anybody card kingdom really is the best at getting your cards straight to you in great condition and then once they are to you you want to you, you want them to remain in good condition, right? So yes. put them into an eclipse, maybe one of those new pro gloss eclipse sleeves so that the oh, cards yeah. uh, maintain their vibrancy when yeah. you're playing them. And the shimmer of the gloss. Yeah. Maybe put <laughs> uh, whatever deck they're going into, into, you know, you've probably had that deck box for a while now, right? Like you're mm-hmm. looking at it and you're like, man, it's been in the same deck box for like a few years now. Maybe it's time to upgrade to one of these new mythic collection boxes Ooh. that Ultra Pro has out. They're really snazzy. They got stitching. There's like a stitched embossed planeswalker symbol yeah, they're, they're super classy great the magnets are actually really strong on these look at jimmy Ugh, i'm yeah. like trying to open it this just makes sure that when you're traveling with it it is not going to come apart yeah. it also has a sweet little compartment for dice and stuff which is why i love the ultra pro product they really have pioneered what this is sort of like the go-to deck box design now and oof, look at this it's just so solid I would put my deck in this. Yeah, super classy. Uh, so Ultra Pro, also a big supporter of this show. And the final way you can support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You get all kinds of perks like talking to Jimmy and I on our Discord every yeah. single day. You get to see extra turns, which just came out. Oh, uh, nice. 
It just came out for the public, but it came out even earlier for the patrons because they get extra turns in game nights. They get access to those before anybody else. Ad-free as well. Yeah. And uh, also, we call out or shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to... Wyatt Wyatt Drake. Drake. Wyatt. You rock. You rock. That is a, like a comic book name for sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wyatt Drake. All right. Definitely a protagonist name. <laughs> not, a, not a bad guy. Wyatt Drake is like... Yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah, a good sure. guy. Uh, okay, so let's get into the main topic here. Zendikar Rising, new commander review. We got a lot to go through, so... <laughs> yeah, let's get started let's get here. Let's it. Let's talk about the new slash returning mechanics from this set. There's a, a really interesting new one. Yeah, it's called the party mechanic, and this is very much almost Dungeons & Dragons inspired in a way. There have been a couple of cards in Magic's history now that in that go towards the idea of a party, but a party is a new mechanic that rewards you for having specific creature types on the battlefield under your control, and it's going to do a lot of things. It's going to affect cards when they enter the battlefield. It's going to make certain spells cost cheaper, uh, and it's really exciting because this is kind of leading up to the D&D set, which is coming up in 2021, called Forgotten Realms. In the well, it's party. based on Forgotten Realms. I don't think we know if it's called Forgotten Realms, do we? Oh, I don't know yet, actually, but it is going to be a Dungeons & Dragons X Magic crossover. And, and Forgotten have- Realms is like a, a, a Dungeons & Dragons like world or whatever yeah. i'm just really hoping there's a drista orton character and an artemis and cherry because i love those books when i was a kid i really i can't wait for that set it's gonna be really exciting but a party is a cleric a rogue a warrior and a wizard that's a full party so let's read a card that uses this mechanic from zendikar rising so this is just a common it's kabira outrider three and a white for a three three human warrior but it says when it enters the battlefield target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each creature in your party and your party consists of up to one of each cleric, rogue, warrior, wizard. So this could maximum give, because your party consists of up to one of each, so the most it could give is plus four, plus four, if you had a cleric, a rogue, a warrior, and or a wizard. Mm Mm-hmm. So it could be plus zero plus zero as well. If, but well, it's a warrior. So it's very, yeah, exactly. They'll usually be in a party in themselves. Yeah. So it's at least plus one. Some require you to have a full party. You have to have one of each thing in order for its thing to be turned on. Some just count like how many mm-hmm. pieces of the party do you have? And then we'll do that amount of whatever. So party mechanic. It's on a few of the legendary creatures. So it's going to come up. Yep. Uh, the next is kicker, which is an old returning mechanic. It was from Zendikar, I believe, originally. It's really simple. It's just an additional cost you can pay as you cast the spell, similar to something like Overload, but that's an alternative cost. This is just like, hey, if you can pay this extra mana, you get an extra effect. Yeah, so uh, Maddening Cacophony is the example. One in a blue for a sorcery, but as kicker of three in a blue. And it says, each opponent mills eight cards. If this spell was kicked, instead, each opponent mills half their deck rounded up. Wow. So for six mana, mill half the deck. But for two mana, three opponents, that's a yeah. lot. 24 cards from two mana. The, uh, the joke in magic design is that every mechanic is just some form of kicker. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, all right. And the big one, because it's Zendikar, we, we always know that Zendikar is going to have this mechanic basically every time. <laughs> um, because Zendikar is a set that's all about lands. And the landfall mechanic always goes along with Zendikar. So it's no different here. Uh, Canyon Jerboa is the example. It's two and a white for a one-two mouse. But it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, that's what landfall is. It always has that uh, sort of trigger text, and then it does something different. So this says, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Very nice. But it can, like, make tokens or mill your opponents or all kinds of things when landfall happens. You've seen this on cards before, so. Yep. 
And of course, if you have a land like in Evolving Wilds, if you crack it, you're going to get a double landfall trigger because the land coming in also counts as it. But we'll talk a little bit more of that in a second. Uh, the last example is this interesting new, brand new mechanic called Modal Double-Faced Cards. Yeah, speaking of lands. Yeah, which is, or, or as uh, they refer to it as Modal DFCs. Not the most attractive name, but basically what these are are cards that you can choose which side you cast when you cast it. They're going to have things that are happening on both sides. However, in some cases, it can be a land on one side and a spell on the other which is pretty cool so let's talk about one then the first is a uh, seagate restoration which is the more fancy version with a spell on one side and a land on the other on the front side for four blue 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 it's a sorcery this is draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game However, on the bottom left, you can see it has a low arrow and it says land and then says tap add for blue because when you flip it over, it becomes Seagate Reborn, which is a land. And as it enters the battlefield, you may pay three life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped and it's simply a land that taps for blue mana. So this is the legendary creature review. So we're not going to go into a lot about this, but it's interesting to note that these there's a symbol in the top left corner of these which indicates which is the front side and which mm -hmm. is the back. So if it has one triangle, it's the front side. If it has two, it's the back. And then these are not like flip cards in that you can't actually flip them. Right. They're more like choice cards. You choose, I would call them like the choice lands. There are lands that are lands on both sides. Yep. So on one side, it taps for red and one side, it taps for a green. And you choose when you play it, which side you're playing it. And then it just stays on that side as long as it's on the battlefield. Yeah. And so the spell, the ones that have spells and lands are the same. You're like, oh, I'm going to cast this uh, side of it because I have that amount of mana. Or, oh, I'm in turn three. I'm just going to play this as a land this yeah. turn. Um, so those are just interesting things to know. But it's not going to come up a lot for this particular review. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about them a lot yes. more in the... Uh, in the 99 in the normal set review because I think a lot of them are playable in Commander. Yeah, and if you have a way to get the land back to your hand or the spell back from your graveyard into your hand, then you can choose again to yep. cast it differently. Uh, and they, they also count as different things in different zones, so the rules of that we'll definitely go into. Yep. Okay, uh, one thing here, back to Landfall. Landfall is going to be pretty important for a lot of the cards we're going to talk about today, so we just wanted to, at the top here, talk about sort of the Landfall staples or all the... <laughs> the common cards you see when landfall matters so we just don't have to keep mentioning them all the time throughout the episode yep so the first again landfall triggers when you have a land enter the battlefield under your control so there's a bunch of different ways to do that on top of the regular land that you play every turn the first are just lands that fetch so we mentioned this already evolving wilds and terramorphic expanse are all lands you play you tap them you search for a basic put it onto the battlefield tap then shuffle your library that's going to be two landfall triggers polluted delta and the fancier more expensive fetch lands and what we normally call quote-unquote fetch lands those are the same basic idea with landfall then there's stuff like myriad landscape uh Chris and verge yep those type of other cards they also go fetch their lands that go fetch other lands so in this case myriad landscape gets two additional lands on the battlefield so you're gonna get two landfall triggers when you eventually activate it so so that one land actually gets you three landfall triggers yep. throughout the course of a game yeah uh there are cards like bounce lands that allow to bring lands back to your hand so simic growth chamber boros garrison etc when you play it it comes into play tapped but you return a land to your hand so you're actually going to get that land for the next turn so that's another way to sort of abuse the landfall mechanic a little bit guarantee you're going to get landfall at least yeah, yeah. 
Uh, then there are cards that allow you to play lands from graveyards. So Crucible of Worlds and Ramanap Excavator are the most common, mm-hmm. and they just literally say you may play lands from your graveyard. Yep. So if you have a fetch land, that's going to be tons of landfall triggers. You can fetch land, goes to the graveyard. Next turn, you can play it from your graveyard again. Do it over and over again. Yeah, if you have a fe- Crucible of Worlds and a fetch land in your graveyard, or just a fetch land in your hand, then you're getting two landfall triggers per turn yeah, just from to, that little combo. Yeah, Off to the races. Um, and then there's also the ability, of course, to play more lands every single turn. Azusa Lost But Seeking allows you to play two additional lands on your turn. Dryad of the Elysian Grove. And then you also have spells like Enter the Unknown or Enchantments like Exploration or Oracle of Moldiah. And these are all just ways to get additional lands onto the battlefield. Uh, and you're sort of cheating the mechanic of one per turn. Then there are all the land-based ramp, uh, very generic common cards that we talk about all the time. Cultivate, Farseek, Rampant Growth, Migration Path, uh, some of these put a single land into play, some put two lands into play, some put one into play and one to your hand, but mm-hmm. they all in some manner go search your deck for lands and put them into play and or into your hands. It only counts as land-based ramp if it puts at least one land into play, though. Yep. Uh, and then there's the tons of lands category in which you can get a lot of lands onto the battlefield and trigger landfall a bunch of times. Yeah, you it's have like s- get 20 landfall triggers all at once. <laughs> yeah, and there's you know modern decks that run around this that win with this. For instance, Scape Shift, which allows you to sacrifice any number of lands and then search your library for up to that many land cards and put them onto the battlefield and then shuffle your library. You can sack 10 lands and get 10 lands out. That's just 10 landfall triggers. Uh, there's Boundless Realms, which is for six in a green. You search your library for up to X basic land cards, where X is the number of lands you can and put them on the battlefield tapped so it's seven mana double the land count on your battlefield perilous forays it's an enchantment where you sack a creature and you put that land onto the battlefield with a basic land type and then traverse the outlands which is again you get x basic lands where x is the greatest power among creatures you control as a sorcery so these are just ways to get like five six maybe even ten twelve lands onto the battlefield in a single turn Generally, if you get 12 lands into the battlefield in one turn, you're going to win that game. Yeah, and if you have a landfall trigger yeah. or something to, to abuse with it, you're, you're going to go off. So in the future, as we're talking about these commanders, when we say all those landfall staples, that's all the stuff we're going to be uh, referring to. Yep. All right, let's get into the actual commanders here, and I will read the first one because this one is the commander that I'm going to be playing on the next episode of Game Nights. Which... Oh, it's some green-blue monstrosity, Josh? Tell me about it. <laughs> it is the opposite <laughs> of that. Yeah, this means that... Uh, I've actually built this deck and played it a few times. It is a Kiri Fearless Voyager. Oh. One, a red, and a white. So it's a Boros Commander for three mana. That's a 3-3 Core Warrior. It says, whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures, draw a card. And then you can pay a white, and you may unattach an equipment from a creature you control. If you do, tap that creature, and it gains indestructible until end of turn. So interesting things to note here is that you can only draw one card per player you attack. Mm -hmm. So whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures, draw a card. So I can't attack Jimmy with three equipped creatures and draw three cards. I would have to attack Jimmy, Mel, and Megan, each Mm -hmm. with an equipped creature, and I could draw a maximum of three cards this way without any other effects, which sounds bad, and I think... Honestly, like, why did they need this restriction, right? Like, it's not necessary. It's not like it's broken in any way if I could attack Jimmy with three equipped creatures because I'm just not going to have three equipped creatures very often. Yeah, also, that's three extra cards in your deck that are equipment that you have to play out of your hand so that you're already sort of disadvantaging yourself to catch up and then you have to equip them. They're going to be that much easier to blow you out with in the two-for-one if they remove it. There's a lot of downsides here, but it is card draw technically in red and white. Yeah, it's restricted. It's, it's 
tough to pull off, but I do think this is powerful. Yeah, I'm a little upset too because Boros is an aggressive stinted color, and this is an aggressive stinted ability, right? I want to put equipment on my creatures and swing with them. That is an aggressive strategy. And now they're going to force me to play in a way that is bad for aggressive decks. Split up my damage between all my <laughs> opponents, right? That That's... that's Eh, I don't love that part about it. However, I, it, there's no denying that it's got card draw on it, and that is very powerful. And one of the downsides of like putting creatures and equipment out is you can get totally blown out with board wipes and things like that. And Akiri mitigates that because you get to draw the cards. Yeah, and you can also pay white if the cr- creature is equipped, make it indestructible, and it doesn't need to be untapped for it to become tapped after you do that. So that's kind of fun. All right, let's talk about some cards that could be in this deck. Yep. Uh, the first, obviously, is Saram Cedar Enificer, who's the other, like, hey, you have equipment, let's draw some cards. He's a 2-2 for one in a white legendary dwarf advisor. Whenever you cast an aura, equipment, or vehicle spell, you get a draw card. Yep. Pure Steel Paladin, very similar. Draw cards for equipment that you cast also. And they can have equip cost zero because he has Metal Craft. Yeah, that's, that's why good. Pure Steel Paladin is really good. Get the equip cost down to zero means you can play some more expensive stuff and slide it around a lot yep. easier. Yep. Um, then there's the stuff that tutors for equipment. So Stoneforge Mystic and Relic Seeker are both sort of similar in that they'll go let you go find the best equipment in your deck, which is probably sort of Feast and Famine. Yep. There's a Brass Squire, which is a three-mana artifact creature. You can tap it to attach target equipment. So if you have, you know, your classic Sunforger with a massive equip cost, this is another way to cheat that. Also, you can do tricky things like attack with multiple creatures. Ah, They block one, slide the equipment over at instant speed to the one they blocked or away from the one they blocked if you want to hit them for damage. Right, right. Instant speed is very nice there. This next card I like quite a bit. It's Fervent Champion. It's one red mana for a 1-1 with first strike and haste. And it says whenever it attacks... Another target attacking knight you control gets plus one plus zero oh until end of turn. But it says equip abilities you activate that target fervent champion cost three less to activate. So a problem with equipment decks is that they just kill your creatures, mm-hmm. and then you're like, sweet, I got three equipment and nothing to put it on. <laughs> and then if I play a creature, it's so telegraphed because I'm like, play it, attach my equipment to it, go. What are the chances that that thing is living until my next turn so I can swing with it? Fervent champion gets around a lot of that because it's one mana with haste. And it lets you equip to it for free. So you're like, play this, put all my equipment on it. Sorry, I said free. It's not always free. It's three less, but that's often free. Yeah, it's often free. Yeah, yeah. put three or four things on it, swing, get my triggers and whatnot, and get going right away. The haste is important, the fact that you can equip to it for cheap, and now I can play other things. Maybe I drew some cards. So I think this card's actually really, really good in the deck. First strike, too. Pretty good here. Um, Of course, you also have a new companion. It's Zerda the Dawn Waker because it says abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. However, this effect can't reduce the mana, and that costs to less than one mana. So you're equipped abilities all go down by two mana or at least Pretty two good. one mana yeah which can be very very powerful and we're not also, playing zerta as a companion here no 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 no. and you can also pay and tap it to make another creature unable to block so that helps out a little bit in getting the damage in this next card might be the best card in the deck i love this card it's the guard is eight it's one white for an enchantment you may cast aura and equipment spells as though they had flash oh boy give something flash josh thinks it's the best card in the deck big surprise <laughs> Uh, whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, though, you may attach it to target creature you control. Now, this is where you can get really tricky because, first of all, it's bypassing the equip cost, which is yes. huge. But also, your equipment become combat tricks in certain situations so you can blow people out. Yeah, cast them and then yeah. boom, equip them in the middle of combat. Yeah, they don't yeah. even know. Also, you've got a bunch of the swords, maybe. Mm-hmm. They go to remove it. You go, boom, I give a protection from, you know, Sword of Feast and Famine, protection from black. Haha, it doesn't die. Yeah. Yeah, blow people out that way. Sunforger is equipment we always talk about. 
it's three mana, gives it a creature plus four, plus oh. But more importantly, once it's equipped, you can pay red and white to unattach it, search your library for a red or white instant card with CMC four or less and cast it without paying its mana cost. So you can grab a Teferi's Protection. Yep. That's the big one. That's the big one. Lapse of Certainty. Chaos Warp. Boros Charm. This is probably the second best card in the deck after Cigar Aid. Yep. And the third best card in the deck is probably Sword of Feast and Famine because it is uh, three mana to play, two to equip, gives plus two, plus two protection from green and black, but says whenever you deal combat damage to an opponent, that opponent discards a card and you dis- and you untap all of your lands. Hmm. So that's kind of ramp in a way. You just it's get totally access ramp. to more mana. And plus you're going to need it in this deck when you're equipping things and casting spells like that. Sort of the Animus is also just a must include in any red or white deck uh, because it's a way to ramp your spells out with a two equip cost, a two mana cost, and the equip creature gets plus one, plus one, and when it attacks, you basically ramp in growth. Yep, you search your library for a basic land, put it in play tapped. Um, any way you can ramp in this deck. And then also a cool combo that you can put in this deck is with Helm of the Host, our good friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Helm of the Host, four mana for legendary artifact equipment. At the be- uh, Sorry, it's five to equip, but it says at the beginning of a combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of equipped creature, except that token isn't legendary um, if the equipped creature is legendary and that token gains haste. So this is very, very good on Akiri because yes. you'll get double triggers now when you attack with an equipped creature because both Akiris will trigger and remember it it doesn't care about the legendary clause. But it's also an infinite combo with another card in the deck. This is a sort of well-known combo, but we'll go through it here. Godo, Bandit Warlord, five and a red for a 3-3. Three, three. When Godo enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an equipment card and put it on the battlefield if you do shuffle your library. And then when Godo attacks for the first time each turn, untap it and all samurai you control after this phase. There's an additional combat phase. But you're like, wait a minute, how can this go infinite when it says attacks for the first time each turn? Well, Helm of the Host makes a brand new copy of Godo. You go into another combat phase, that Godo attacks, triggers again, and you also get new equipment from it every time with well, the you, host, which is pretty cool. Yeah, crazy. you get a new equipment. And also, yeah, then, oh, there's a new combat phase. Helm of the Host says, I'll make another token. Okay, attack with that token. New combat phase. I'll make another token. Okay, attack with that com- token. So as long as you have attacks with Godo, that's going to be infinite attack steps and infinite amount of, well, not infinite, until somebody's dead. Yeah, you got to give it haste as well, but it's Well, no, uh, the Helm gives haste. So Oh. Yeah, so... It's, You're right. Yeah. So what that token you, gains haste pretty strong. So what you want to do is have like that brass squire out so that you play Godo. Mm-hmm. He finds the helm of those, puts it into play, and you brass squire it onto Godo right away and then go. Or Cigar to Zade or something else that says auto equip or, you know, Pure Steel Paladin, things like that. that yeah, yeah. Make the it cheaper. Cost. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an infinite combo if you want to win that way. And honestly, if you're in Boros and you're playing an equipment based deck, Go infinite and win because that's like it's hard to win with decks like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't want to ignore the very last text on the card, which is you, uh, sorry, on Akiri, which is you pay the white and you give a creature, you unattach equipment from a creature and give it indestructible. So another aspect of this deck is to play like a number of board wipes and go Blasphemous Act, Wrath of Gods, that type of stuff, and then be like, I tap three white, give these things indestructible by unattaching the equipment and then cast Wrath ah, of God, nice. kill everybody's creatures. And then if you're, if, you know, you're in good shape, then you have something that allows you to equip maybe for free or cheap back on and then swing. Yeah, that's actually pretty sweet. Yeah. I like that a lot. It and does plus, protect your creatures too. It's hard to remove. Like when you're playing against it, you're like, oh, I want to go to kill that thing. But if they've got a white mana open, then it's tough to, to go after it, right? Yeah, you don't want to waste that yeah. that spell. Yeah, in general, I don't think you're running, you're going to be on the battlefield more than three to four creatures at any time. It's because, you know, you're splitting your deck again with a lot of equipment here so that you can actually use your commander's abilities. Yeah, we'll probably talk about this deck more, um, again, because we play it in, or I play it in game nights. We'll probably talk about your game nights deck yep. more. So we'll go into it more here. But it's a cool command. 
commander and a cool deck. And it's one of the decks that I think I'll probably keep together. Yeah, progress in red and white. Thanks. <laughs> okay, the next up we've already talked about on another episode of the show, but is Anawan the Rune Thief, which is a part of the Commander Precon. Uh, and we had the episode you can find on our channel. Uh, we sort of break down the deck and also do 10 cards in, 10 cards out. Uh, but let's talk about some non-budget versions that you can synergize with this card. So it's two in the blue and the black for a legendary creature vampire rogue for a 2-4. Other rogues you control get plus one, plus one. And whenever one or more rogues you control deal combat to a, to a player, combat damage to a player, that player mills a card for each one damage dealt to them. If the player mills at least one creature card this way, you draw a card. Sounds complicated, but really, if you hit with rogues, you mill them for that amount, and if they mill creatures when you do that, you draw cards. Yay! But you can only... It's the same thing like a carry. You can only draw one card per opponent, per unless opponent, yeah. you give, like, double strike or something. Yeah, and it's... Again, they have to mill a creature card. So, uh, one card that we didn't talk about because we had a $25 limit on our 10 cards in, 10 cards out, is Bitter Blossom. Oh, yeah. One in the black for an enchantment. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose a life, and you create one one black fairy rogue creature token with flying. So these are an all now two twos. This is extremely good with Anawan, especially if you can play Bitter Blossom on turn two or something. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, Off Bitter Blossom is probably the best card in that deck, right? Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> Even though it's you get one turn per four, it's still a free two two flyer in the air that's going to trigger and draw you more cards. And the great thing about Bitter Blossom is it's an enchantment. So they kill the creatures. You keep getting more creatures as it goes. Yep. Uh, true name nemesis who knew that this thing was a rogue and <laughs> a merfolk too it does not look like a merfolk yeah it's it's not as expensive as it used to be but still a little spendy for our budget upgrade guide mm -hmm. it's a three one for one blue 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 and it says as true name nemesis enters the battlefield choose a player true name nemesis has protection from the chosen player that means this creature can't be blocked targeted dealt damage or enchanted by anything controlled by that player so it's just a very strong card against a specific player and also guarantees that you'll be able to swing with it because they can't block it. Yeah, exactly. And get through because of Anawan. So, and it's also going to be a 4-2, right? It's so. going to be massive, yeah. And it's just going to end someone's life very quickly. And um, then there, there were a bunch of like tribal staple cards that we just couldn't talk about in the budget upgrade video. Yep. I don't think we have to read them all. Do you want I mean, nah, like nah. what they do. You've heard them all before. Yeah. If you really want to, you know, you can look them up. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of cards we're talking about today and we're, we've only done two and we're like, what, 20 minutes in or something. So it's metallic mimic vanquisher's banner herald's horn kindred dominance stuff like that yeah we'll just stop there but but those traditional tribal staple cards are all good in a deck that has 30 rogues in it who knew mm -hmm. and if you want to go the full-on mill strategy as well because anyone does mill people this is very very hard but you can do so uh there's bruvik the grand grandiloquent grandiloquent yeah I which guess. is kind of crazy it just basically doubles the mill on everyone uh you've got psychic corrosion which whenever you draw cards each opponent mills two cards so that's really good with Anawan, Sphinx's Tutelage, similar idea there. And then, of course, Leyline of the Void, so you exile all the cards going into people's library graveyards. I think if you're going to go mill with this deck, lean into the mill part more, or any mill deck, you have to be aware of the fact that for a lot of decks in the format, you're helping them when you mill them. You're yeah. giving them access to more tools. And so you need to adjust for that and put graveyard hate into your mill decks. Leyline of the Void is a great piece of tech in your mill deck because it makes sure that those cards go to exile rather than sit in their graveyard and then you actually are hurting them when you mill them yeah it's only opponents too which is yeah. great and then of course you can also just do extra turn spells to just keep milling keep attacking keep drawing it's kind of like the edric idea right edric saying well i'm drawing so many cards and if i have attacks yeah which 
if I'm drawing cards, I'm having attacks, and that's what Anawan says too, right? Then as I draw more cards, I'm likely to draw more extra turns cards, which I'll cast, and then I'll have attacks on my extra turns, mm-hmm. and then I'll keep doing that. And so that's, I think, a possibility for the deck. Meaner, and obviously extra turn spells are more expensive, so we didn't talk about them in the budget upgrade. And I don't think we would tell people like, hey, play the extra turns deck. <laughs> but, you know, now I'm telling people, hey, play the extra turns deck, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, moving on. This is a really exciting one. It's Ashaya Soul of the Wild. I didn't, when I first saw this, I didn't really realize how cool it was. And then you started listing stuff out and I was like, dang, that is cool. Yeah, it's going to be very <laughs> interesting as a mono green deck. Three green green for a legendary elemental star star. And it's power and toughness are each equal to the number of land you control. So if you cast this for five mana and you have five lands, it's a five five. And the well, interesting be, part. Does it count as a creature? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Everything non- yeah, the number of lands you control. So actually, so yeah, six, 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 yeah. And non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types. So your non-token creatures are all forests. They're all land war elves, basically. They turn into them oh, because they they're creatures that can tap for mana, yeah. And they still count effect- as lands. <laughs> yeah. So Ashaya, that's why she'd be a 6-6 six, six if you played her by herself and there's nothing else lands, out. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really think about the fact that this means your creatures will now trigger landfall. Yeah, because when they enter the battlefield, they're technically forests. Wow. That opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah, they're still affected by summoning things, so you can't tap them when they come in. Mm. Uh, the possibilities that I like are you can play some board wipes because now all of your creatures are are lands. So board wipes like Oblivion Stone, which has an ability to tap it and sacrifice to destroy each non-land permanent without a fate oh. counter on it. You just blow up everyone else's stuff. That's pretty sweet because yeah. your creatures are land, so your creatures don't die. Yep. Oh, there's a bunch that say non-land permanent or non-land, yeah, permanent like that, right? Yeah, it's pretty intense. Blast Zone is a land that does it. You can put charge counters on it and it blows up things equal to the uh, the CMC and the charge counters that you have. There's Boom Pile, which is a card that typically was just not played in Commander, but this deck definitely runs it. Four mana artifact, you tap, flip a coin. If you win the flip, destroy all non-land permanents. That's great. Yeah, so I mean, in this case, you're you know, you're running creature-based ramp here because when the Shy comes out, yep. those creatures become lands as well, and then they get protected from stuff like Boom Pile. That's pretty sweet. Um, Magus of the Candelabra also gets nuts in this deck because oh. it's a creature that when you, you pay X and tap it to untap X target lands, but that can be your creatures now. So you can like pseudo give all your things vigilance when they attack. There's or a just lot. Get, do tap abilities do tap more abilities. than once. Yeah, there's a lot you can do there. And then there's an infinite combo with Lay Weaver and Argothian Elder. Mm-hmm. Both of them are creatures that tap to untap two target lands. So they can literally untap themselves now. And a land. And another land. So just any of those. Just so you're infinite. always up one mana whenever you do that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting okay yeah this deck is nutty uh, uh anything that untaps all your lands so sort of feast and famine wilderness yep. reclamation get really good because now they untap lands and creatures right because your creatures become lands mm-hmm. uh yeah. you 100 will put this in the new four color omnath which we'll talk about later because he has a nutty landfall trigger which is really cool um so you had a, a mean combo here which is i don't think it's that mean unless you do the full stacks thing because just putting this card in the deck seems smart yeah, it's called Storage Matrix. I saw this on Reddit. It's a three-mana artifact. As long as Storage Matrix is untapped, each player chooses an artifact, chooses, sorry, artifact, creature, or land during their untapped step, and that player can only un- can untap only permanence of the chosen type this step. So you choose land, but that effectively means you untap your lands and creatures. Yes. They all can only choose one of those things. Yeah, so they can't either, un- they either have to untap only their artifacts, only their creatures, or only their lands. That's brutal. Yeah, so it's actually not that uh, sort of like, because like someone might just not run artifacts and not, it could be a creatureless deck. So yeah, yeah they, I just tap my lands. They untap their lands, 
still can play stuff. It's not the same as stasis or anything. But yeah. if anyone's running tons of artifact ramp, they have to choose between the artifacts and the lands. It this That's would just great. get nasty fast. That's great. I don't like this next card you've got. What's going on here? Yeah, so there is a lot of talk about this online about Blood Moon, which uh, I think the way that works because of the layering, it actually, if you have a Shia out and you play Blood Moon, where non-basic lands become mountains, there is some weird thing where it replaces effects and the Shia goes to a 0-0 zero, zero and just dies. It's really strange. I had to look this up a few times. Wait, you'd still have lands, though. But how I think the, go to zero? there's some sort of like layering, and I don't know exactly how this works. We have to have a judge answer it. I looked again on like three different places, and they all said the same thing, that because of the way that the replacement effects work, when someone plays Blood Moon and the Shy is out and already doing it, it like does a switch at one point, and a state-based action is now going to say, now you have zero lands before they become mountains. I don't know exactly how it works. Well, I mean, what about your basic lands that you have, though? I, well, I think if you have normal basics, then then, then Ashai is fine. Yeah. yeah. But then but then if Ashai does live, if you have like a plus one plus one counter on it, then all of your creatures just become mountains. What? <laughs> and that's it. Just another reason why not to play Blood Moon. They lose all their other abilities. Yeah, yeah. It's super confusing. I don't even know if I'm fully right. Um, one nice thing about this deck, though, is that you can't get Cyclonic Rifted because it says bounce all Gnarland permanent permanents your opponent's control. So. Yeah, that's a way around Psych Rift. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> anyway, Ashai, I think, is going to see a lot of play, uh, both as a casual deck and maybe as even slightly more competitive but it's going to be some fun stuff all your creatures being land war elves it's pretty cool yeah i can see it going in a lot of different decks because yeah. just turning all your creatures into things that tap for mana is good too right mm -hmm. Crypt totally. right is just already kind of good so yeah all right let's talk about the next commander it's a mono blue one it's cherix the raging isle two blue blue for a zero seventeen. but i'm sorry what <laughs> legendary creature leviathan crab it spells it says spells your opponent's cast that target cherix cost two more to cast so it kind of protects itself mm -hmm. and then it has an activated ability you can pay three colon cherix gets plus x minus x until end of turn where x is the number of islands you control so if you have five islands you pay three it'll become a 512 oh thing is you can activate this ability multiple times so you can pay three again and it would become a 10 7 okay you can get you can do it up to 16 so, so it can become a 16, a 17, oh yeah, 16, one. And then it'll die if you do it again. <laughs> yeah. So don't do that. Don't do that. Um, this is kind of similar to Tempest Gin, which gets plus one, plus oh for each basic island you control. Um, and, you know, you put down training grounds here, which is really cool because then the activation ability goes down to one. That's a, like, if you have like five islands, yeah. that's a real threat. If you swing it in, what do you do? Yeah. I think five is a sweet number too because you can do it three times and it gets to fifteen two. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't, if they block it, you just go. Oh, I'll do it once, kill whatever's blocking it, but it doesn't die because it's a five twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, you, even if you have four islands and you activate it four times, there you go. You have a sixteen one right there. Now let's let's say that in that instance, I put a fire shrieker on it. Oh, double strike. Yeah. So I think with double strike, this actually becomes pretty threatening because, first of all really hard to block now you have to block it because you'll die to commander damage because if it's if you got six islands yeah activate twice that's 24 damage commander damage and blue's really good at making things unblockable too right so this could be like a sneaky sort of voltron or commander damage commander voltron mono blue yeah not something uh you hear very often so i think that's a cool way to go i, I was also wondering as i read this 
if there is now a critical mass of cards that care about the number of islands you have, can you build the number of islands I control dot deck? Yeah. So well, the first thing you want to build is put in there is this guy. Yeah. Stormtide Leviathan, which is a five blue, 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 eight, eight with island walk. But then all lands are islands in addition to their other types. And then creatures without flying or island walk can't attack. So it's just the Stormtide Leviathan that yep. can attack, which is pretty interesting. If you could figure out a way to give Cherix flying in that case, then all your islands... I mean, all your lands would be islands, and then you could therefore, like, pump it a lot, right? Maybe yeah. eight or nine. And there's a lot of blue cards that also jump, like, that give yep. a blue card flying. Uh, there's This is an interesting card. It's called Quicksilver Fountain. Three mana for an artifact. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player puts a flood counter on target non-island land they control. The land is an island for as long as it has a flood counter on it. At the beginning of each end step, if all lands on the battlefield are islands, you remove all flood counters from them. That takes a long time to happen because people are playing lands every turn too. So usually you never see it get to that last part. So you just slowly over the course of the game are turning your lands into islands. You're you're utility lands and stuff because even monocolor decks don't usually run more than like 20 basic lands, right? They have all yeah. the utility lands. And so... Th- this helps Cherix just make sure that you've got tons of islands. It also kind of is annoying if someone's playing oh, yeah. like a bunch of non-basics or weird lands that don't have for colors. It's like a slow blood moon. Yeah, very slow blood moon. You also can play Spreading Seas, which is one in the blue and enchantment aura to enchant a land when it enters the battlefield to get a draw card so it can trips. And then you just enchant the land to become an island. Yep. There's Mystic Compass does similar things. There's a lot of cards that will change cards into islands. Um, most of them, it's not worth a card to do that. There's like Magical Hack and some old stuff like that. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, I have... I, you know, what are the cards that care about how many islands I have? This is an interesting one. Yeah, especially if you're going to find a way to give Cherix flying. You could yeah. also do it to this card, which I've never seen this text before. Floodgate, three in the blue for a creature wall with defender is zero five. When Floodgate has flying, sacrifice it. So don't give it flying. Well, well, you might want to because when it leaves the battlefield, it deals damage equal to half the number of islands you control rounded down to each non-blue creature without flying. Pretty interesting. You can also flicker Deal this. Damage. It's a blue card. What the heck's going on? <laughs> yeah. You can also flicker it a bunch too. Yep. So it's got this really strange, strange text on it. <laughs> yeah. And you're mono blue. So it's not going to hit any of your creatures. There's Scourge of Fleets, which is five blue, blue. So seven mana for a six, six. But when it enters the battlefield, return each creature your opponent's control with toughness X or less to its owner's hand, where X is the number of islands you control bingo bongo bongo vidalkin shackles lets you pay two to tap it and gain control of target creature with power less than or equal to the number of islands you control as long as you leave vidalkin shackles tapped yep and then there's serpent of the endless sea which is a star star for four and a blue serpent uh but its power and toughness are each equal to the number of islands you control. And then Serpent of the Endless Seas can't attack unless defending player controls an island. Which Spreading sees them. Yep. So yeah. it, I just thought that was an interesting thing. Maybe this is the commander of the Cares About Islands deck. Or we're, we're maybe not at critical mass, but we're moving towards it. Maybe yeah. a, a couple of years, maybe it's there. It's a very strange card. Uh, it, I personally think it's just whatever. But if you do build a deck like this, it all of a sudden becomes a lot more interesting. And the thing I like about a deck like that is people are constantly like asking us, well, you know, how in my playgroup, I always get killed first, and how do I not, you yeah. know, have them? We'll build decks that are fun like that, that are trying to do way, wacky things that, that aren't inherently super powerful, and it's going to get there sometimes and do interesting things, but nobody's going to be like, oh, you only play broken decks all the time, and I kill you first every time. Yeah, I'm like, here's my mono blue Voltron deck with a crab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's guaranteed going to be a lot cheaper to build, because none of those cards we talked about are very high in price. <laughs> and you'll have fun, because you're trying to do something weird and wacky, and they'll have fun because they have a chance, and then yeah. if you pull, if you have decks like that then they might you know your playgroup might be okay with you pulling out your combo deck once in a while yep totally all right all right moving on to drana the last blood chief three black black for a 
legendary creature vampire cleric. That's a 4-4 with flying. Whenever Drana attacks, defending player chooses a non-legendary creature card in your graveyard. You return that card to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it, and the creature is a vampire in addition to its other types so your opponent gets to make the choice uh, but it comes back to the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it which to me screams put it in my chase of the black rose <laughs> i don't care what you choose i don't care what you choose because it's coming out with the plus one plus one counter which is really hard to do in grix's colors and that way marchesa will have basically that creature will now trigger with marchesa's thing um this is of course five mana so it's a little on the high end but i thought that was pretty interesting in, in my in my your world don't put phage in your graveyard <laughs> It'll Don't put Phage in a draw a deck, period. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. For it. It's, it is definitely just asking for it. Do um, put Entomb and Buried Alive because that's going to allow you to sort of tutor things to your graveyard. Yep. And then also I think play cards like Phyrexian Reclamation, which uh, allows you to pay one in the black and two life to return the creature card from your graveyard to your hand because your opponent's the one choosing. So if you want to be like, hey, they have to choose this card, interesting. you can sort of manipulate your graveyard You can eliminate possibilities like, oh, I don't want them to choose that. I'm going to put that back in my hand. And now yeah. they have to choose... Phyrexian Delver which is actually pretty funny because if you have this and another creature they have no good choice they right. have to choose the other one because Delver comes in you return a target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield and you lose life equals to that card CMC so it's kind of like reanimate mm-hmm. my question is do you play Relic of Progenitus in this deck because it says it's a one mana artifact you can tap target player exiles a card from their graveyard oh they get to choose yeah so but that target player target could be yourself. you yeah interesting I think maybe you do and also I think you do just because Relic of Progenitus is a decent card to run on its own. Yeah. Because you're running into a graveyard-based deck and you're just like, boom, exile all cards from all graveyards, draw a card. Yeah. Um, it might not be great for you because you want to play with your graveyard too, but you know you have Relic of Progenitus, so you can just not do all your self-milling until you've already you know, yeah. burned it or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think Drawn is all about ramping her out quickly or, or playing like a big man strategy and then making sure that you just load up your graveyard with the scariest demons and dragons or whatever, you know, that costs like 10 mana or shieldred. I mean, it's super you know? scary because like in Tomb's an instant, right? Yeah. So if they go to swing at you and before blocks... Like, it might look fine. Like, what's in your graveyard? Oh, nothing or nothing scary. And then they, you're like, no block. And they go, okay, before damage. Oh, it's when it attacks. Oh, it's when so it attacks. Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, but still. But even, it's, yeah, it's still fine. Like, go yeah. to combat, entomb something out. They're like, you don't have anything in there. Like, I do now. I have the awesomest thing. Yeah. I have, you know, it that betrays or whatever. Oh, gosh. Also, it turns it into a vampire. So, vampire travels on the table for this. But yeah. there's probably, you know, Edgar's probably better. Yeah, Edgar is definitely better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, when you're saying mono black, I think anytime you do that, you can play big mana, crypt gas, ball coffers and then Torment of Hailfire, Exsanguinate, just, that's like your guaranteed win condition in Mono Black. All Black decks can get there by the end of the game. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right, um, let's talk about the next one, which is Grackmaw, Skyclave Ravager. You should name your dog that. Grackmaw. Grackmaw, come here. (laughs) Come here, (laughs) Grackmaw. It's a mouthful. Yeah. I'll probably be scared if it did come. Look at this thing. It's nasty. Yeah. (laughs) It's got three heads. Yeah. It's one, a black, and a green, so three mana for a 0-0 Hydra Horror. But it says, Grackma enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. So it's a three mana, three, three. Mm-hmm. Whenever another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one plus one counter on it, put a one one counter on Grackma. And then when Grackma dies, you create an XX black and green Hydra creature token where X is the number of one one counters on Grackma. So if Grackma comes out with three and just dies right away, you'll get a three, three. 
But as your other creatures die, if Grackmoth's still out, it'll slowly grow because it gets that plus one, plus one counter. Mm -hmm. And then by the time it dies, maybe it's like a 9-9 and it creates a 9-9 Hydra token. Yeah, and this is better with the new commander rules because Grackmoth dying will see the graveyard first and then go to your command zone. Um, This is like slightly worse than Rayhan, Last of the Abzan. Yeah. uh, Because Rayhan says that whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more plus one, plus one counters on it, you may put that many plus one, plus one counters on target creature. Whereas Grackmoth only gets one plus one, plus one counter each time interesting but it is really cool with skullbriar because the, it's not like the counters disappear off the creature and go on the grackmaw it only checks if it had the counters right so skullbriar will go to the command zone or wherever and keep the counters on it but grackmaw will say like oh you had a plus one plus one counter on you i get to add one to myself and uh, skullbriar keeps the counters yeah that's cool hydra tribal i think you know we're always looking for a hydra tribal commander so although i don't know this is the best one because it doesn't pump hydras or anything yeah but it does make hydras so other things that pump hydras will sort of care about it is a hydra as itself as well yeah wildwood scourge cares about plus and plus encounters so does the new pelucranos and then you of course you play the winding constrictor hardened scales branching evolution doubling season the ozolith all the of those cars yeah so always looking for this. some ozoliths <laughs> yeah. let's read ozolith because this card is just really fun it's a one-man legendary artifact whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield if it had counters on it put those counters on the ozolith so again it can leave the battlefield Grackmont can still see it leaving the battlefield and then those counters can go on the ozolith and the beginning of combat on your turn if the ozolith has counters on it you may move all of them from the ozolith onto target creature and also you can save the counters from grackbar right it right. dies put its counters on the ozolith goes to your command zone you play it put three counters on it put the ozolith counters on it now when it dies make bigger hydras make bigger hydras right, yeah. right, right seems right. cool yeah it seems pretty cool it's there. a plus one plus one counter deck at its heart though yeah nothing like not any super new ground to be broken here yep Okay, this next one is Kaza, Royal Chaser, a blue and a red for a 1-2 legendary creature, Human Wizard, with flying and haste. It's like silver surfering around. It totally is. You can pay, you can tap it, and the next... It looks like those boots that um, Channing Tatum wore in that one... Oh, that uh, awful freaking... Uh, 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 yeah, uh, with Mila Kunis, Yeah, right? yeah uh, with Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. Or Rising, who knows? He had elf ears. All right. <laughs> Jupiter, Zendikar, Ascending, Rising. Zendikar, Rising, Ascending, Jupiter, Channing. You can tap Kaza and the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn cost x less to cast where x is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves that's pretty sweet it has haste so you can play this for two and then tap it let's say you have two wizards out then it's the next spell is going to cost two less mm-hmm. it's always gonna be one less because uh Kaza's Kaza a, is well a not always wizard. i guess they can kill it in response to the to the tap right the ability goes on the stack and it's as it resolves yeah because you won't have any uh wizards at that point at that point yeah yeah which is probably why that because that text does seem somewhat new it's got haste though so the turn you play it yep it could be even just you could gain mana from it though if you had three wizards already you play Mm -hmm. it tap it reduce the next thing by four yeah you may not want to play this on the turn that you want to go off i could see this being really good in the storm deck Mm -hmm. um in general though this is just like screams wizard travel to me because you want to have a lot of wizards out and then you're going to play sweet X spells or just like huge expropriate type spells that cost way less. Um, there's Docent of Perfection, which this is a flip so card. Deck. Yeah, it's three blue blue for a five four flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you create a one one blue wizard human creature token. And then if you control three more wizards, you flip it. And then it says again on the other side, uh, wizards get plus two plus one and have flying. And then the same text, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you create a one one blue human wizard creature token. So perfect because Kaza reduces or, or sort of supercharges your instant and sorceries and that creates more wizards that makes kaza reduce the cost by those yeah by more yeah pretty sweet pretty sweet um, um, goblin wizardry is kind of a new card that is an instant it's three and a red 
but it says create two one one red goblin wizard creature token. So it creates two wizards mm. and they have prowess. So they get plus one plus one whenever you cast a non-creature spell. So it just combos really well with Kaza because she'll reduce the cost of it. And then the next time you activate her, You've yep. got more wizards out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if you play Kaza in your Anala deck, Anala has eminence, so whenever non-token creatures enter the battlefield with Anala in your command zone or in the battlefield, you can pay one to create a token of that, so then Kaza gets a little bit better. Uh, Real the Everwise is just a human wizard that loves drawing cards and probably has a lot of wizards in the deck. Adalaz the Cinderwind. Wizards get plus one, plus one until end of turn when you're casting instant or sorcery. So there's a lot of different ways to go about this. You can go super controly, storm, swarm, sort of your choice. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be a little tough to build because wizards are generally creatures. Yeah. Kaza wants to help you cast instants and sorceries. So you can get in the situation where you don't have instants and sorceries to cast with her or you don't have enough wizards that she's really doing much. Mm -hmm. And so that balance is going to be a little bit tough when building the deck. Um, I like, of course, to add a bunch of untappers maybe to the deck. Because if you're going to tap Kaza, then all of a sudden you could activate her multiple times in a turn, especially if the untapper itself is a wizard, which there are a few. This first one is not, though. It's a Vizier of Tumbling Sands. It's a... Uh, what is that? Human cleric. But it's two and a blue for a one three, and you can tap it to untap target permanent. So this is a second Kaza, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, you've got Fate Stitcher, which oh. is a wizard. Love it. Uh, you've got Puppeteer, also a wizard. You've got Afedo Alchemist, also a wizard, and they all will untap a creature. Many of those will also untap a land, so they can be ramp until the point that you want them to be sort of Kaza clones or whatever. Yeah, you just sort of wait until like turn five or six maybe, and then you have Kaza with two untappers out, five wiz three wizards even. Yeah. Uh, four when you cast Kaza, and then you tap it, what, three times? The next spell you cost cost 12 less to cast now? Yeah, so it's like Stroke of Genius, draw a million cards. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, I'll just Cyclonic Rift, or expropriate super early, or whatever. Like, yeah. You, yeah, I think that's maybe the way to go, is a bunch of untappers, because they're kind of doing double duty then. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. just really good wizards overall, um, and then sort of choose your direction from there. I think this is a really good Storm Commander, though, with yeah. a Wizard Storm Commander. And don't forget, Strixhaven is a brand new set coming out in 2021. Oh, yeah. It's the wizard plane, so guarantee we're going to see a lot of new sweet wizards. It's the wizarding happens. school. Yeah, it's basically Harry Potter. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, so but but keep an eye out. I think Kaza and, and all of those cards we just mentioned are going to get better as more wizards are introduced next year. Well, yeah, and you've got the party mechanic that wants wizards and stuff, so that's going to be yeah, a great place yeah, to get exactly. a bunch of wizards. Yeah, Wizard okay. Tribal, definitely going to get better in the next year. It's, yeah, it's definitely. Okay, the next card is Linvala. This is an interesting Shield one. of Seagate, yeah, and I think I want to have a little bit of a different discussion with this as well. Okay, let me read the card. It's one, a white, and a blue, so three mana for a 3-3 three, three flying angel wizard. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, so that means you need a cleric, a warrior, a wizard, a wizard and a rogue, she's a wizard, choose target non-land permanent and opponent controls. Until your next turn, it can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. So it gets detained, basically. So at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, you detain a permanent. It is any permanent, non-land permanent. Yeah. Okay. And then it also has an ability, sacrifice Linvala, choose hexproof or indestructible. Creatures you control gain that ability until end of turn. Oh, that's interesting. So you can always just sack Linvala, give everything indestructible if you feel like it. Or yeah. hexproof. So it's kind of like a heroic intervention type card on one and white and a blue. That they can see on the 
board, so it's not yeah. quite as get, gotcha. And instead of being like, what are the cards that synergize with this? I'm just going to be asking the question, is this good? So the question is, what's the percentage that you have a full party? And I think it's actually pretty low because you need to have four creatures out that match all these types. Yeah. Uh, if you're playing this deck, you're most likely probably playing some kind of changeling. But you're even playing changelings for sure. And I yeah. think that, that helps you a lot, right? Because any changeling will stand in for any, any one of, of them. Any of them, right. Yeah. But the problem is that this is a blue and white deck. So you don't even have that many rogues and clerics that necessarily fit into this if you didn't have access to three other colors. Um, but there are some interesting wizards too if you're going to go with the party route and play a lot of cards from Zendikar Rising. Baral, Chief of Compliance, even Mind Sensor and Spellseeker are all the most popular like wizards in mm-hmm. there. And you can keep looking for the other ones too. But I think the thing that really doesn't make me happy about this card is that the detaining part of it isn't that good. Um, because, yeah, you can shut down a Soul Ring or an Arcane Signet, which mm-hmm. is an 80% of decks for Soul Ring and 43 for Arcane Signet. But cards like Smothering Tithe and Ristic Study... Doesn't do anything. Nothing against that. Because they don't are, have activated abilities. Exactly. They're just triggered. So those are 38% of decks on both of those. And so Linval doesn't touch those cards, which I would say are actually way more problematic than the Soul Ring or Arcane Signet. Um, and this does... I mean, by the time you get Linval out and have a full party, it's going to be fairly late into the game, right? That's not happening on turn four. Yeah, most likely not. So you don't care about Soul Ring as much on turn eight or nine. You wish, you know, if you could get rid of it with Nature's Claim, you'd want to do that on the first couple of turns. Mm-hmm. So by that time, you're looking at shutting down something big, but it's just one thing. Yeah, and it, this does shut down commanders. But again, keep in mind that you have to have a full party to do so. So Golos gets shut down by this. Kenrith, Lord Windgrace, because the Planeswalkers have activated abilities. But Moldrotha, Atraxa, even Yuriko, which does have an activated ability, but it's in your hand, so you can never even be stopped by Linvala, doesn't get shut down by her. I mean, getting a full party seems so difficult that I, I think I don't think it would be broken if it just literally said exile target non-land permanent rather than the detain thing. Yeah, I don't know I why know, it right? detains it. Yeah. Like, I, that's, just, that's just weird. My problem is that white and blue just has a really tough time making a control type deck that isn't oppressive or unfun. And right. then you just don't really have that many options. I remember when I built my Lavinia deck, just being like, how do I do this in a way that's actually like fun for the table? And it wasn't. I just played a massive, you know, win the game type spells instead. Um, so I think if you have to play, you either go squad tribal and put every single Zendikar Rising party card you can in the deck, or she would be actually pretty interesting in like a Morophon Changeling tribal deck because mm. you have all the Changelings out. So you um, can just incidentally hit party with her, but you're not like, that's not the main strategy. Yeah. Or if you want to go kind of like more Staxi, Derevi is also a wizard. So maybe you could find something there. Chulane's a druid. So you can kind of do something there. I think the best maybe is just do a Vorthosi deck, have King Kenny, Kenrith as your commander, he's five color, and he's sending out his party into the world. You know, because he's, right, they're he's a noble. They're on a quest for the, for the king? For the king, right. yeah. And it's the, full, <laughs> it's the adventuring party. See, it's funny. When I looked at the card, I just ignored that first paragraph, and I was like looking at the sacrifice ability. And <laughs> yeah. that's what I would build around. So the sacrifice ability where you can either give all your uh, creatures hexproof or indestructible, I think could be powerful. Um because think if you have like a board wipe and you use her as board wipe protection. So just Wrath of God and stuff. Yeah, right. You're going to lose Linvala, sure, but you keep everything else. And also like a lot of times a white deck might want to like go wide, put a bunch of stuff on the board, but... Tokens and all that. Yeah, but yeah. you don't want to get blown out by the board wipe. This protects you from that in some way. I also think if you got really mean, you'd have to add a color because most of the stuff's in red. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do the stuff like Bearer of the Heavens, which is a 10-10 for seven in red, but when it dies, you destroy all 
permanence at the beginning of the next end step. So this is a way to be like, okay, I have a big board. I'm going to sacrifice the bearer of the heavens. Then in response to that trigger on the end step, I'm going to give all my creatures indestructible. So now I destroy everything, lands and everything, and I'm the only one with stuff on the board and I can win from there. Obliterate is another card that's very similar. Yeah. Um, Don't do that. (laughs) I just, I'm just looking for ways that this card can be good. And I think that's one of the usages maybe. Yeah. I'm still looking for them to make a good Azorius commander. It seems like we've sort of fallen. They have good ones as far as powerful, but not fun ones. Not fun ones, yeah. I mean, too much of it is all about the idea of being restrictive and locking people down, which isn't really, I think, great for commander players necessarily. All right. uh, The next commander, really, really cool and in Jimmy's favorite color. But before we get into it, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I spoke too soon. It's not blue. The next card is red. Welcome back to the show. Uh, this next commander is, I think, one of the coolest mono red commanders I've seen in a while. Because it doesn't. It's not like you got to be goblin tribal or you got to be this. Right. This one is just about attacking and and hopefully winning the game. So it is Morog, Fury of Akum, four red red for a six six legendary creature Minotaur warrior. Each creature you control gets plus one plus zero oh for each time it is attacked this turn. Well. Maybe it means you're going to be attacking a lot, right? Mm-hmm. That's right, because with the landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there is an additional combat phase after this one. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. Landfall, extra attack step. Pretty crazy. Pretty powerful. Especially if you play a coom and then play a fetch land. Yeah. So that on that turn, it'd be turn seven, obviously. You're going to get three attacks. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Because yeah. you'll attack... Boom, you'll swing, second main phase, play a land. Right. Now you get an attack step. Attack, crack the land, get another 
landfall trigger. Attack the third time, and your creature's going to get plus three, plus so for each time it's attacked this turn. I mean, three attacks in any given turn is often going to win you the game. Yeah, uh, I think, like, honestly, this is a power level similar to Aggravated Assault without having to pay the extra mana cost to give yourself additional attack phases. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I do think this is inherently not so great when you're in mono red because it's going to cost so much money if you really want to optimize this because you're playing all the red-white fetches, the blue-red fetches, just so you can get... You need all all the off-color fetches. You need Crucible of Worlds for sure. Yeah, it's an expensive deck to optimize for sure because just like, hey, I play Morag and then I play a basic land that's just like not going to be that great a lot of the time and it's good but it's not amazing and i think you also want to ramp out more quickly so you're going to be playing your mana vault type cards just to get a bunch of stuff on the board because if you're attacking three times with a card that like gives let's say you're attacking for just six seven damage and that's going to be 21 right there off of three attack phases so i think like if you can do this quickly get morag out fast and just have like a lot of like five two type creatures lightning what's it those like lightning elemental type creatures and then boom you're just swinging in for so much damage i mean this is the type of card that people will be onto if they're playing against though if it's in your command zone so they're gonna hold hold their removal and like or clear out stuff beforehand so that you just never get to the point where you can play it and already have a big board right so i think that's gonna be a little bit frustrating about the deck too because the fact that aggravated assault i think is just better in a lot of situations because a lot of times you can sort of play it on the turn that like you have sort of feast and famine already out or something like that Mm -hmm. savage vent maw and that piece kind of works together. Whereas if it's in your command zone, they kind of know what the plan is. It's going to be a little tougher to pull off. So I actually think that's good. There's not going to be a broken commander, but it could be a fun one. Yeah, it definitely is really fun. And you're going to play a lot of cards like Solemn Simulacrum, Wayfarer's Bobble, and Burnished Heart, all ways to get a bunch of lands onto the battlefield. And again, like the landfall can trigger multiple times in the same main phase, yep. right? So you can actually play a land, fetch it in the same main phase, and you get two landfall triggers. It's both your main phases. You're going to get two additional combat steps. You don't need to wait for each one. Yep. Um, I think, though, you would want to put this into a Najila, the Blade Blossom deck. Uh, this is a warrior as well, so oh. you're going to get more warriors, and Najila is all about giving you, you know, it's a Wooberg deck, so you actually get all the colors, and you get more and more ways. You're going to be playing all the fetches in this deck anyway. Najila is one of the top CDH decks, right? Yeah, it doesn't need a lot of help. Doesn't but need if a lot you had, help. like, a casual Najila deck, if that exists, then this <laughs> is going in it. This next one is pretty cool. Atali, Primal Storm. Uh, six six four six whenever it attacks you exile the top uh card of each player's library and then you may cast any number of spells from among those cards without paying their mana cost so obviously extra attack steps with atali oh, means man. extra cards off the top of everybody's deck that you cast for free so i think atali morag and yeah. a fetch land with three combat phases over. you should just win right yeah, then and there, or just destroy the board yeah um i think you play this in the paco <clears throat> and haldan deck even potentially oh, because yeah. you can fetch a lot of cards off more with paco you're gonna exile a lot of cards paco's just gonna get massive maybe kill someone with commander damage um zendigos god of revels again you're just doing attacky attacky smash facey um the green and red omnath as well just doing a ton of damage to or everyone. the new one or the newest which one we're gonna yeah, talk, about, we're talk about, about yeah because yep. it's just gonna hit a lot of um landfalls yep uh yep i wanted to talk here really quickly in boros i think this is good you know i've been playing around with boros a little bit lately and i think the fetch land plan in boros is one of the good ways to kind of make up for card uh Mm -hmm. 
card disadvantage that it has in other areas. Yeah. So like you were saying, all the fetch lands that are off color, the Crucible of Worlds type package, white has a lot of ways to go find uh, artifacts so you can go find that Crucible of Worlds. And then you've got the Savine's Reclamations and the Brought Backs and things that say like permanents that have gone to the graveyard this turn, you can bring them back into play, that kind of stuff with oh, fetch cool. lands are really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. good. And that's a way to get not only ramp, but card advantage in Boros. And so I think Marag actually fits pretty well into that style of Boros deck, which I'm beginning to sort of play around with and I think is a powerful way to build Boros. Yep. So I do That's like cool. Morag quite a bit um, in the right deck uh, in, the, in the 99, though. not just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's six mana, so you do want to find ways to ramp it out, I think. But yeah, pretty it's cool. A pretty cool card. All right, let's talk about the next one. This was the front-facing commander from the Naya Landfall pre-con deck from uh, Zendikar Rising. It's Obun. Moldiah Ancestor. It's one, a red, a green, and a white, so four mana total for a 3-3 elf spirit. At the beginning of combat on your turn, up to one target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn, where X is Obun's power. It's still a land. And it has landfall. Whenever land enters battlefield under your control, put a 1-1 counter on target creature. So probably what you do is play a land, put a 1-1 counter on a boon, and then it's a 4-4 now, which means it turns one of your lands into a 4-4 with trample mm-hmm. and haste until end of turn. Uh, we did do the budget upgrade guide for this deck. It's already on our channel, so we're not going to go into this a ton, but again, that was a budget upgrade guide, so this does give us the chance to talk about some cards maybe that aren't budget, and maybe some you know some cards that we didn't talk about in that episode. Yeah. Uh, Fertilid's a fun, easy combo with this, because it's a card where you remove plus one, plus encounters to get uh, a basic land card out of your library. So The land you, comes into play, the put land the one more counter play. back on Fertilid. Yep, and then so you can just keep doing that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, I think the favorite card that you mentioned was Terra Eternal, which is all lands have Indestructible, and when your lands are turning into creatures, that's pretty good. Sort of the Animist, another card puts lands into play, uh, so that's obviously going to be good. Here's a cool card. Yeah, Trample Tribal. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, Trample Tribal. You know how we've had, like, Death Touch Tribal, Min- yeah. Minache Tribal? I think they need more Trample Tribal. It sounds um, good, too. Yeah. Trample Tribal. So this is Proud Wild Bonder. Two and then two hybrid uh, gruel. So two red, red, two green, green, or two green, red. For a 4-3 with trample, but creatures you control with trample have, you may have this creature assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. So that will apply to your lands because yeah. Obun gives them trample. And they're all going to be massive and just deal a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quartzwood Crasher, which is a fun one. Two red, red, green for a 6-6 six, six with trample. Whenever one more creatures you control with trample deal combat damage to a player, then you go ahead and create an XX green dinosaur beast creature with trample where X is the amount of damage those creatures dealt to that player. So you just start making giant trample creatures. Yep. And then they make more because they have trample. Yeah, I like this one a lot too. I, I, I really hope that they reprint Jumpstart so we can get more of these in the wild yeah so it's funny when we were doing the budget upgrade i was like oh yeah that new card from jumpstart that's probably not expensive because it's new and then i realized oh all the jump card car- jumpstart cards are super expensive oh so expensive because they didn't print enough of the set and nobody could get a hold of it i hope Please they're doing print a, more yeah i hope they're doing a second print run so this one's naith of the dire hunt two green green legendary human warrior a three three whenever one or more creatures you control fight or become blocked draw a card that's just good at the beginning of combat on your turn you may pay two a uh, Two red green, sorry, two and a hybrid red green, so three mana total. If you do, you double target creature's power until end of turn, and that creature must be blocked to this combat if able. Whew. So this is a way to double either Obun's power, which is probably the right way to go, right? Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of combat on your turn, you can pay two red green, double Obun's power, and if you stack that trigger first, Obun will have, you know, six power, maybe eight power, and then 
is uh, Obun's trigger goes off and makes one of your lands into an 8-8. Yeah. Yeah, and now you're off to the races, right? Because Obun's swinging in for a ton. Your lands are getting even bigger. And then as you play more lands, that's doubling Obun's power even more. It's like Xenagos, which we talked about briefly on the episode. Which they is have to card. be blocked as well. So yeah. you draw a card off of it. You're probably killing creatures. And if you want to put more fight cards in there as well, Nyth is really cool, though. It's just a Gruul commander, but great in these sort of Trample Matters type decks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Oboon. I think it's going to be a fun one. It's a cool way to build a landfall deck that's a little bit different than the other landfall decks. Yeah, and not to mention, this is on mm. the Commander Precon, so this isn't supposed to be a busted power level. And I've seen right. a lot of commentary actually being like, hey, this is a really good spot for a fun intro commander that... It's not busted. It's not going to break the format, but you can definitely do fun stuff with it, and no one's going to look at that deck and be like, remove on site. Right. Yeah, you're going to get to play your deck. Yeah, exactly. But it's still going to do powerful stuff and be strong. Yep. Okay, this next one is one that a lot of people have been talking about because this it's another... This one is very powerful. It's a four-color commander. It's red, green, white, and blue for a Omnath Locus of Creation. Each of his hands now, if you notice, has become one of the oh, colors. Yeah. Um, He's like the Fantastic Four. They each have like yeah. one thing. They He'll can eventually do. pop out the fifth arm and become five color. I think uh, Omnath has had so a many purple versions. arms. Yeah, you could also do Omnath Tribal. Put every Omnath in this deck. <laughs> so it's a four four. Uh, when Omnath enters the battlefield, draw a card. Why the heck did it need that? Just by the way, gravy it, it on top. It doesn't need that ability. Well, that's uh, by the way one of the many ways you just get to draw your yep. deck now with some combos. Okay, it has landfall though. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life if this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn. If it's the second time, add red, green, white, and blue mana. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. So basically, if you play Omnath, have a fetch land out, play the fetch land, that's landfall trigger number one, sack it, landfall trigger number two, you, you get, get four, four mana. mana. You can The basic casting cost of Omnath. And then if you were able to, again, play another land or fetch, do another fetch land type thing or any other of these effects that we've talked about, you deal four damage to each opponent in each planeswalker you don't control. And you can play, basically, you can play every single fetch land in this deck. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because it, yeah, it's just missing yeah. black. So you can play pretty much every single There's one. There's no fetch land that just gets black. So yeah. the, you can play all of them. Four mana from a fetch land. We know how powerful Lotus Cobra is, right? Like, yeah. that thing just does so much work every time it's out. This is often better than that plus there's all kind of this tricky crap you can do so obviously this deck wants all the landfall staples that we talked about earlier yep so does oboon by the way yeah all (laughs) of them do um if you can afford it obviously much better case of doing so in omnath because not affording it but just putting more of them in because you have four colors so you you need to make sure you can put all the panoramas and stuff or whatever right but my goodness yeah you play omnath and you can just cast so much stuff off it because of that second trigger you're not even really looking for the third one necessarily i think like it's gravy on top uh in general that second one is just going to net you so much mana and you can play cards like Knight of the Reliquary, which you can tap to sacrifice a forest or plains, to search your library for a land card, put it on the battlefield. So that's a way to get to that third lane if you have a fetch land on top. Plus, it's this turn. So you right. could, if you have two fetch lands out, crack it on my turn. And then, you know, if I can somehow get a land into play and crack a fetch land on your turn, Jimmy, I could get the four mana get on your turn. Yeah, and then you can do stuff with that man on each turn. You can yeah. dump it into different things. You can play cards like Uro, which are going to come into the battlefield, gain you life, and drop another land onto the battlefield. Um, if you're just dropping a bunch of lands on the battlefield, play Field of the Dead, and now you get a bunch of zombos out there, too. May as well. Yeah, may as well. Um, there's, uh, what is this next one? Oh, Kaneos and Tiro. 
are in the same colors so this is the same four color combination and they allow you to draw cards and drop extra lands into play so that's also really really good yeah risen yeah. reef yeah which is again that's an elemental matters uh and if it's a land card whatever time an elemental enters the battlefield you can put it onto the battlefield tapped so you're gonna just want to play all those types of cards if you have a lotus cobra out you're just gaining like six mana off of a fetch land and the oh second my. trigger from all like that. you just win like i don't care <laughs> if play a land gets me six mana like there's no way that my okay let's let's pause here because there's an interesting combo Yes. That uh, that you wrote down here. So let's walk through it. So Ghostly Flicker plus a dual caster mage. Ghostly Flicker is two in the blue for an instant. You can exile two artifacts, creatures, and or lands you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under your control. So just by itself, you can exile two of your own lands and get two landfall triggers. Yeah. Right? Or you know omnath and a land yes and when you flicker omnath the landfall triggers are going to reset so the next time you play a land with the new version of omnath back out there you're going to start the cycle oh so you go fetch land crack it get your four mana now play ghostly flicker targeting omnath and a land so omnath comes out sees the one come in and now it's started over that's the one landfall trigger then if you could get another landfall trigger you get four more mana plus you draw a card because omnath Draws a card when it enters the battlefield. Yeah, which is nuts. But if you pair up Ghostly Flicker with a dual caster mage, which is a 2-2, one red, red flash, when it enters the battlefield, copy target instant or sorcery spell, you can choose new targets for the copy. So you cast Ghostly Flicker. In response, you are going to cast dual caster mage. Dual caster mage is going to copy the Ghostly Flicker. And then you can basically just copy the Ghostly Flicker and the dual caster. You copy the dual caster mage and the Omnath. You mean you blink? You blink, sorry. And so they're going to keep coming back in, recopying that, and you're just going to draw your entire deck. Right, so until you decide. Ghostly Flicker flickers dual caster mage, which copies Ghostly Flicker again. So you have infinite Ghostly Flickers, and yeah. you just infinitely fl- flicker Omnath to and draw dual cards. caster mage to keep the dual caster mage coming in and yeah. copying another Ghostly Flicker. And then you can just target your lands after you don't want to draw cards anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Because Ghostly Flicker can target a land. Yeah. And they come back untapped. Yep. So now it'll untap all your lands, which you can float all the mana, (laughs) right? And then cast all the cards that you drew. Yeah. So, and the fact that Ghostly Flicker is already good in the deck outside of Dual Caster Mage, like, it's just good if you just draw it and don't have Dual Caster Mage. Yeah, that's a pretty legit combo. Yeah, Dual Caster Mage being a creature is what makes it so special because otherwise you wouldn't be able to flicker it and abuse it like that. So I think Omnath is just nuts. Um, It's one of those cards that's going to be removed on site. Um, There's going to be a lot more infinite combos that people discover down the line. Why does it enter the battlefield and draw a card? It does not need that. It definitely does not need that. That just seems nuts to me that they were like, hmm, you know what? This card's not good enough. Let's push it just a little more. What else can we do here? Yeah, it replace itself. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I'm going to put it in the special pile of most powerful cards or interesting ones because this one is up there. All right, let's talk about the next one. A lot of people have been messaging me about it. It's Aura. Oh, I bet. I know why. Aura? Aura. I don't want it to pronounce Aura. 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 Aura, Skyclave, Herophant. Two, a white and a black for a 3-3 core cleric with lifelink. Whenever Aura or another cleric you control dies, return target cleric card with lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard to the battlefield. All right, go ahead and ask me, Jimmy. Hey, what card is a cleric that you played many copies of in the deck before <laughs> shadowborn apostle maybe yeah this is not a good shadowborn apostle commander oh but everyone might think it is everyone that thinks it you? is let me tell you why it's not good because it says 
return target cleric card with lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard to the battlefield. So a uh, Shadowborn Apostle dying does not get you a Shadowborn Apostle from your graveyard back. Yep, it actually, because they're all one CMC, it needs to be equal to or lesser on the Ora text, but it just says lesser, so. You can only get zero casting cost clerics with a Shadowborn Apostle dying. And yeah. since 31 of the cards in the deck are Shadowborn Apostles, you don't want to do that. Yep, so yeah. is probably still the yeah. better Shadowborn Apostle uh, commander here. Yeah, or one of the mono black ones. It's definitely not Ora. I think o- yeah. Ora is interesting in some other decks, though. Yeah, it could also be a cleric tribal deck. There are a bunch of interesting clerics that are really low CMC, and so you can sort of get into these aristocracy type moments mm-hmm. where you're sacking one thing to get them back over and over again. Um, well, something like Archfiend's Vessel, which is a black 1 1 lifelink creature. When it enters the battlefield, if it entered from your graveyard, or if you cast it from your graveyard, you exile it, and then you create a 5 5 black demon token with flying. Oh. So that's just a fun way of like, oh, I, what do I have in my graveyard? Oh, this can turn into a, a 5 5 flyer. It exiles itself, though. This one's actually really interesting, too. It's Ashes of the Fallen, two mana for an artifact. As it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type, probably cleric, <laughs> and then each creature card in your graveyard has the chosen creature type in addition to its others types so this allows you to get things that aren't clerics technically back from your graveyard on with Ora's trigger yep uh, i think if you're playing an Ailey eternal pilgrim deck people have made this to be a very much a core uh, a cleric tribal deck so that's again another place where either Ora's in it or Ailey's in the Ora deck uh, whisper blood liturgist is a three and a black for a legendary human cleric two two but you can tap and sacrifice two creatures return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield this is I think definitely in the deck because it's a cleric, so you can get it back with Ora, but mm. also it's doing exactly what Ora wants to do, which is it's going to have like these sort of um, redundant eggs. combo pieces. Yeah, yeah. eggs or uh, KCI type pieces. Like Scrap Trawler is the thing that I think of when I look at Ora. Right, right. And so what Scrap Trawler does is kind of have these synergistic, repetitive pieces and just sack them, bring them back, sack them, bring them back, and do this whole cartwheel and circus, and you're like, okay, what's going on? Are we dead? <laughs> and they're like, yes, you're dead. And that's how this is probably going to play out. Or just like, no, you're not dead, but I drew 17 cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had to sack all your creatures somewhere in there, and, you know, yeah. I wish I were dead. Uh, Taste of Karlov is one you put down. I thought it was really good. Two white and a black for a legendary human advisor. Two four. If a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent, you control the trigger that ability triggers an additional time yep. so again you can just sort of have Ora, thanks to his ability trigger twice bring two things back and really just get that chain going uh, benevolent bodyguard is an underrated card it's a white mana for a human cleric a one one but you can sacrifice it and target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn so it's a mother of runes mother of runes but it's in a this little, case it's one time use but it's faster right it doesn't need haste yeah and it will come back thanks to aura so again if you're playing the aristocrats version of this deck you really do want to wa- want a lot of like one two three four drops in like the correct balance because yeah. you want to really like this thing dies i get this back then that dies i get the next thing back and all the way down the chain until one that's what scrap crawler does that's what you're going to want to do and put that with a blood artist and now you're in business yep uh doomed necromancer two and a black creature human cleric mercy scenario was a 2-2 you can pay a black and tap it sacrifice it return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield so that's going to be a double trigger with Ora out you're going to get another cleric back as well as maybe a itavitrace or whatever you know your massive thing is i like this one a lot because it allows you to get something back that's higher up on the chain oh and and then you can sack it and go down the chain again getting the doom necromancer back along the way i put lightning greaves because if you have greaves out you can always once you get the doom necromancer back slide the greaves onto it and so that's a way to just keep a chain going. Yeah. Because that's the hard thing with Scrap Trawler and, and Ora type chains is like, you have a four drop, it turns into a three drop, it turns into a two drop, turns into a one drop. 
Well, Game over. <laughs> what can I do? Yeah, but if I have Doom Necromancer, I go, boom, get the five drop back, turns into a four drop, turns into a three drop. Yeah. Three drop is Doom Necromancer. Two drop, one drop, Doom Necromancer gets the five drop back, and now I'm just like, you know, it's over. I won. I'm you, just going to do this I hope forever. you had fun. As long as I have black mana. Yeah. And you can just do that with a Phyrexian Altar. And yeah, yeah. Mana, yeah. It's, I love that. That gives you the black mana for the Doom Necromancer. Yep. Yep. Okay, so this card I think is actually pretty sweet, pretty exciting, but it's not the shadowborn apostles deck no it's not the shadowborn apostles yeah. deck. Okay. that doesn't mean it's not cool <laughs> yeah all right it's aristoclerics aristoclerics i like it that's like artifactocrats artifactocrats that just sounds weird <laughs> factocrats all right cat facts uh next up is phylath world sculptor for a red and a green for a five five legendary creature elemental when phylath enters the battlefield create a zero one green plant creature token for each basic land you control and it has landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield on your control under your control put four plus one plus one counters on target plant you control so this is the deck spoiler alert that i played in the newest game nights for zendikar rising uh pretty exciting um Four plus one plus encounters and plants. It's a lot. That's a lot. Especially because you're running, like we said before, all the landfall stuff we talked about. So you can at sometimes you can put like twelve plus one plus one encounters on a creature if you build it right. It gets out of hand like super fast. Yeah. Uh finally Avenger of Zendikar and the and this deck card just like go hand in hand. Because it makes plants. Yeah, based on the number of lands you have as well. Um so but this There's a surprising amount of things that make plants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh the thing that I actually liked about this is that there are a lot of plants that are just fun plants that you can play in this deck. Like Bloom Hulk is a four four for three in the green. That's a plant elemental. And when it enters the battlefield, you do proliferate. So mm -hmm. if you're spreading your counters wide, then you get to build it up again. Evolution Sage. Oh boy. Cares about lands entering the battlefield, and then you proliferate again. This is actually my favorite card in the deck. It's Elysian Carry added. It's a one green plant, and it can tap to add one mana of any color. If you control a creature with power four or greater, add two mana of any one color nice. instead. Typically, these cards say Defender on them. Right, this doesn't. So, so eventually, you can attack with it. It's yeah. A, that's a perfect Mana Dork, right? It's a Mana Dork early. It's a threat late. Yeah, and it's a plant of all things. Yep. Um, I think you play Slippery Bog Bonder in this deck. It's three and a green for a 3-3 three, three Flash Hexproof. When it enters the battlefield, you put a Hexproof counter on target creature, and then you move any number of counters from among creatures you control onto that oh, creature. Wow. So you're like, I'm going to make this one huge because it's Hexproof now. Yeah, and someone tried to target it with something, so yeah. you flash in the Bog Bonder and then you just make it a 50-50 or whatever it That's is. That's really cool. Uh, Tree of Redemption is a plant. It's a 0-13, but you can tap it to exchange your life total with Tree of Redemption's Toughness. So this actually could gain you a lot of life if you just keep stacking stuff on Interesting. it. Interesting, yeah, yeah. I think there's a deck, too, because there are a lot of plants that are uh, defender-type, like, walls mm -hmm. that uh, that can tap for mana. You can play, like, the defense form assault formations or whatever. Oh, yeah, That yeah. give you the ability to make your creatures a defender attack. So that's, like, another deck type I think you can go with this. Uh, and oh then boy. this might be the best card in the deck. Probably is. It's greater good. Two green green for enchantment. You sack a creature, draw cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power, then discard three cards. So, because one thing Phyleth does really well is just give you a bunch of really beefy creatures. Like, mm -hmm. you tend to just look down and you're like, I got two eight eight two eight nines, a four five, and a five five. Yeah, and a twelve thirteen. Yeah, and you're like, like uh, whoa. Ed, would you like to turn all those into cards? Yes, I would. Thank yes, you. I would. Especially because you're going to be really prone to people trying to remove your stuff because it's just massive creatures. Yeah, at so. some point in the game against that deck, everyone's like, hey, who's got a board wipe? We have to do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty cool. Okay, moving right, on. Moving on. We've got a mono black commander named Taborax, Hope's Demise, two and a black for a 2-2 two -two flyer, Demon Cleric. Interesting. Uh, it's a cheap demon. You don't see a lot of those. Taborax right. has lifelink as long as it has five or more 1-1 one -one counters on it. What? <laughs> Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, put a 1-1 one -one counter on Taborax. And then if that creature has 
or sorry, if that creature was a cleric, you may draw a card if you do lose one life. So this is the in the cleric tribal deck. Makes sense because parties, clerics matter. We've seen right. realms matter stuff. We've seen wizards matter stuff. They're trying to add support for everything here. And so this is a, this definitely goes in the Shadowborn Apostles yes. deck, right? Yes, this is like a slam dunk in that yeah. deck. Because it can go find them. it. Yeah, and now yeah. when you sack them, they're going to make it bigger and you're going to draw cards off of it. Yeah, it becomes a Phyrexian Arena for you, but at instant speed with a sack outlet and your Shadowborn Apostles. So I think just any cleric deck or deck with a lot of clerics wants this card but outside of that i don't think you probably play it right yeah you play this in the Ora deck you play this in ailey and that's about it not too exciting otherwise this next one though pretty exciting super interesting yeah it's it's the party commander right yeah this is the party <laughs> tazri throwing a party yeah you just Sorry. the lights come down you said <laughs> <laughs> okay tazri beacon of unity four and a white for a four six human warrior says this spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party so it can get down to just white that's fun if you already have the full party and then the cast, the activated ability has a weird activation cost. So it's that thing where there's either two generic or a color. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of so like the Scarecrow, right? It's kind of like Beseech the Queen. Yeah, yeah, Beseech too. Yeah, yeah. So it's either two mana or blue, two mana or black, two mana or red, two mana or green. So it's either four mana if you have exactly blue, black, red, and green. Mm-hmm. Or it's some combination of eight mana or whatever. Whatever. You have to watch the YouTube video to understand it. I can't explain it. Anyway. (laughs) Just look at the text and you'll understand, yeah. You you pay that and then you look at the top six cards of your library and you may reveal up to two clerics, rogues, wizard, warrior, and or ally cards from among them and put them into your hand. Allies, Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This harkens back to Tazri who's cared about allies in In the the past. past. Yeah. Even though allies don't matter for party or anything. Mm -hmm. You can only get two total, right? That's the most you can get. You may reveal up to two. And so you look at top six and you get at most two cards. So it's four mana, draw two, and you can whiff. You can only get one, you can get zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're probably not getting zero. Hopefully your deck has like 30, 35 creatures and they're all one of these things at least. Yeah. But yeah. four mana draw two is still not fantastic. No, it's not great. But it is the deck for, if you're going to build around party cards. Yep. Um, and if you're uh, a changeling tribal deck, I think this is a great commander for that potentially as well. Yep. Um, just because you're going to almost guaranteed play a one mana four six and then you can just at any time if you want pay that mana to draw more cards. It's a five color deck as well. Uh, a big shout out to Morphon, but also this like, have you seen this Dungeon Master Planeswalker card that was like designed for uh, people at Wizards. It's Wait, like what? There's only like four of them in existence. It's a fake Planeswalker that was given to like a design team on the D&D side. Oh, like an internal yeah, award internal, or something? Yeah. yeah, so you'll see it up on the screen now, but it's a Planeswalker that has like it's it comes in with a loyalty of 1d4 plus one <laughs> so you have to roll yeah, yeah right. but if you minus six it you get an adventuring party which is a three three red fighter a one one white cleric a zero two a two two black rogue and a one one blue wizard so it doesn't have a warrior it's a fighter in this one so it's, uh, i think this was like prior to them fully designing what the uh, the party was about which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Well, the the equivalent of that card that's actually legal is <laughs> Outlaw's Merriment. 
This is a cool card. Came out pretty recently. It's one, a red, and two white. So four mana for an enchantment. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, choose one at random. Create a red and white creature token with those characteristics. So all of these are going to be red-white, and you're either going to get a 3-1 warrior with trample and haste, a 2-1 cleric with lifelink and haste, a 1-2 human rogue with haste, and when this creature enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to any target. So this is going to give you possibly one of three different party members. It won't give you wizard, but it can give you warrior, cleric, and or rogue. Yeah. And it gives you one per upkeep. Pretty cool. Um, I think this deck, if you want to build it a casual way, goes that way. If you want to be a little more serious, you're playing a Changeling Tribal uh, with a Training Grounds in there or there a Zerda because Training Grounds activated abilities you control cost up to two less to activate and this means that you can actually reduce w- w- just straight up two from this mm-hmm. if you have zerda out you can reduce four right right so it, so could, just be it could just cost two red mana. green yeah. or green black or any combination of those then it two. becomes really good yeah because you mana draw two multiple times a turn too yeah. um I you think, have to have Zerta and Training Grounds out, though. So, yeah. Biomancer's familiar, too, you can put in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you actually do play... If you're going for the yeah. more competitive version and you there's, want to draw I don't know that cards. there's a competitive version of Tazri. There's Sorry, just, like, a powerful... Powerful. There's, like, an, there's like an eight, <laughs> maybe. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's a fun, flavorful deck, anyway. Well, it's five-color. You know what? There probably is a CEDH deck, because there are CEDH decks that don't care what the commander is. Right. There's just a five-color shell, and you could play that, and it would probably be you know cedh viable yeah totally okay okay next up is verazol the split current it's a x green blue zero zero legendary creature serpent it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each mana spent to cast it so if you cast this just for green blue it's a two two Mm. whenever you cast a kick spell you may remove two plus one plus one counters from verazol if you do copy that spell you may choose new targets for the copy However, it also says just copy that spell. So if you become, oh. if you copy a permanent with Kicker on it, you just get another copy of that permanent. You get a token copy. A token copy, yes. Yeah, this is, this set brought that in for the first time where you can copy spells. Yeah, it's I not mean, gonna it's not gonna copy the permanent and give you Kicker again. You're just copying the permanent itself. Oh, you don't get it kicked when it when you copy it. I don't it? believe so because well, I know you get it kicked when you copy an instant or sorcery. I don't oh. know what it does with the permanent. Well, maybe you do, actually, because it has the kicker text on it. Yeah, you know what? I think you do get the kick version of it. Yeah, because I know if you like, and spoiler alert, this is one of the cards that's going to be good with this card. If you if you fork a right of replication that's been kicked, you do get five copies again. Okay, so then you definitely, I think you do. <laughs> so definitely we think that. We definitely do Please think that. Please check with the judge, uh, because we are not <laughs> judges, and sometimes we get this stuff wrong. But it's kicker tribal. Yeah. Um, but, it's, the- but it finally is like, hey you're going to get a token copy of, of an artifact or something if, if you, right? Like yeah. Like, if there's a kicker on it. And a lot of the kicked cards care about plus one, plus one counters as well. So that means you're going to play your hardened scales in this deck, your uh, forgotten ancients, cards that are going to move plus one, plus one counters around. And then basically you just look at the list of kick spells in green and blue and just see how much value you can get out of them. With yeah, we're the best ones. All out. Yeah. Uh, Blink of an Eye is a really easy one. For one in the blue, you can kick it for another one in the blue. So it's uh, generic two blue, blue. Uh, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand and if it was kicked you draw a card so you bounce two permanents draw two cards for four mana that's pretty good pretty good um, canopy surge is something that deals one damage to each creature with flying in each creature but if you kick it so it's going to be three green it deals four damage to each creature with flying in each player but with Verizal out that's eight damage, damage. Yeah, for and doesn't four, hit Verizal because it doesn't fly for four mana which is pretty good Sentinel Wood Readers is a two and a green creature with kicker for two and a green, and when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you draw two cards. So now it's six mana, draw four cards. And make two one fours. And make two one fours, yeah. yeah. Uh, I Grove, like this one. Yeah, I like this one too. Grow from the ashes. Of course, we just like the one that puts land on the play. <laughs> We're so boring. 
Well, with all this landfall out, maybe not that boring, you know? Two and a green for a sorcery, but kicker of two, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, untapped, and then shuffle your library. But if it was kicked, you search your library for two basic land cards instead. So you get four lands untapped for five mana, which means you basically get four lands into play for one mana yeah. with Verizal. That seems broken. Yeah, that seems pretty nuts. <laughs> That's uh, our favorite. Uh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> Hunting Wilds, three and a green with a kicker of three and a green, so that would be eight mana total, which is a lot. But search your library for up to two forest cards, put them onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. But if it was kicked, then you untap all forest put onto the battlefield this way, and they become 3-3 three, three green creatures with haste that are still lands. So mm. this is kind of be like a weird finisher where you put you know, four lands on the battlefield, they all become 3-3s three, with haste. Interesting. And right then the big one you said. Yeah, yeah, this right is of replication, one. of course. If you kick it, then you create five copies of something. So, obviously, with Verizal, that's ten copies. That's pretty much... You can usually find a way to win, especially if you've got things that say, like, when they enter the battlefield, draw two cards and crap yeah, on it. Yeah, it's a big GG. Uh, Wolfbriar Elemental, two green green with a multi-kicker. So, you can pay green any number of times uh, when you cast the spell, and you get a 2-2 two, two green wolf creature token for each time it was kicked. So, even if it was two... Uh, let's say you just kick it once. It's just five mana. Then you get two four fours and two two, two, two twos. So, and if you kick it, like, four times, now it's eight two twos and two four fours? Yeah, 16. That's 24 power and toughness on the board all at once. So, pretty good. Yeah. Enjoy it. Kicker tribal. Kicker tribal. All right. We got three to go. Kick it. Oh, that's We could have done that. The Beastie Boys song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time. Next time. We have a set review. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Now you know the song. <laughs> if we remember it or don't change it. <laughs> All right. The next one is Yasharn, Implacable Earth. Two, a green and a white. Four mana for a 4-4 four, four elemental boar. When Yasharn enters the battlefield, search your library for a basic forest card and a basic plains card. Reveal those cards. Put them into your hand. Then shuffle your library. So it's into hand, not into play. So it's not ramp. Players can pay life. And then this is a totally separate ability. Players can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. Wow. So this is anti-aristocrats. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Yeah, it's like a... I wouldn't play this as commander. I think this goes well in like a Karametra deck just because of that second ability as well. Like Karametra, you're also drawing, getting a lot more lands in your hand. And this is sort of just like an a ace in the hole or a silver bullet against certain decks. It's kind of like an interesting hate bear, but it's not a bear. It's a 4-4. Four, Four for four. It's a hate bore. But turning off, like, <laughs> Phyrexian Altars, Ashnod Altars. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of stuff like that is interesting because a lot of decks want to do stuff like that, like, sacrifice their stuff and get into those loops, like Scrap Trawler, Ora decks. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. They just see this card and they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're oh, sharp. No. Now they have to get rid of it. Yeah, so... Um, I don't know. What else you got for this card? That's all. I don't know. Landfall matters type cards because you're going to get some lands out of it. I, I really don't think this is a great commander. It's just definitely yeah. a... It's but a, it like might a, be decent in a deck, kind of like a Ruminic Armasaur or something like that. Yeah. It's like targets a specific strategy, but it does stop a decent number of combos, like Karmic Guide combos, Revelar combos, like... You know, all those There's ones. There's also the black cards that and pay two life, draw a card type yeah. things, greed Grave and all crawler that. type shenanigans, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Most of that's gone if your Sharn's out. So that's interesting. Yeah. So I think if you see a lot of those cards in your meta and you're playing green and white, it's, it's you know, it's not bad. For four mana, you're getting a forest and a plane. It draws you two hand. cards when it comes out. Yeah. So yeah. that's actually, it's it's similar to Solomon in a way, but it doesn't go on the battlefield. Okay. Zagris, Thief of Heartbeats, is next up. He's a heart stealer. Four, a black and a red. <laughs> He's a heartbreaker. It's that's the song. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. It's only for one card. <laughs> we shouldn't say that card. Yeah. Four, four, Vampire Rogue. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. So it could just cost black, red for a four, four. Flyer. Yeah. With Death Touch. 
and haste. Yep. Other creatures you control have death touch. Death and, touch tribal. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, destroy that planeswalker. Sorry, combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. Oh, it has planeswalker death touch. So it's like stealing the hearts or the sparks. It should be a thief of spark beats or something. Spark beats? Yeah, because <laughs> it's killing planeswalkers, right? Yeah. Um, death touch tribal, though, is something we've seen over and over again now, more recently. Um, finally, I think this fits in the Kelsey and the Plague deck, mm-hmm. which is red, white, black, and it has a tapper to deal damage to a target creature you don't control. Um, and when it dies, you get an experience counter, and Kelsey just gets bigger and bigger. Goblin sharpshooter. Yeah. Goes in this deck, or you could put this in any deck that has the right colors and Goblin Sharpshooter already in it. The Death Touch Tribal works really well on Thantis the Warweaver because uh-huh. it makes all creatures attack each combat if able, so it's really hard for them to block because all your creatures have Death Touch. Interesting. Hooded Blightfang is a card that says whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals damage to a Planeswalker, destroy the Planeswalker. Whenever a creature you control with Death Touch attack, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So now you can just like swing out with your board and potentially drain like, you know, a bunch Mm -hmm. because it's whenever a creature you control attack, so it can trigger multiple times. You put Greven down. I don't know if I'd put it in Greven though. Um, Really? Yeah, because, well, Greven has Menace and usually Death Touch is good with Menace because if they have to block with two creatures, you get to kill both creatures. But... Usually, if they're doing that, Greven's dying and killing their thing anyway. Right. I guess you just want to only just sacrifice the creatures with Greven to draw a bunch of cards. Yeah, and Greven's usually like 10 power, so they double block, both things die, but it only has 5 toughness, so it dies, so it's kind of the same as if it had Death Touch. Oh, right, right, right. I do like um, Viridian Longbow and Thornbite Staff, which are all both cards that... um, give your creatures the ability to be Tims to tap yeah. and ping things. So if they have Death Touch, they'll just kill the things. Also, in red, there are a number of Tim cards. So Prodigal Pyromancer, uh, Volshock Sorcerer, which has haste, makes it a little bit better. And then Blood Cultist are all just variations on creatures that tap and deal one damage. Which That's is funny. Just, yeah. Red, yeah. I mean, red that, should be the color that has that. The fact that blue had it in early magic makes no sense, except for the fact that they didn't know what the color pie was yeah, yet. Yeah, they're zapping people, yeah. I guess, <laughs> with blue lightning. Um, and, of course, you can, you know, just give stuff first strike, so it's really hard to block them. Oh, yeah. First strike is really good with Death Touch, again, if you don't know, because... Trample, too, actually. Yeah, but, yeah, trample is good because you only have to assign one damage to the creature, and then all the rest can go through the player because you only have to assign enough damage to kill the creature that's being blocked, mm-hmm. or that's blocking it. First Strike's even better sometimes because even if a 10-10 blocks a 4-4, if the 4-4 has Death Touch in First Strike, it's going to deal its damage first, and then the creature will die before it can deal its damage back. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zagris is interesting, probably more of an in the 99 card than a... Yeah, But, totally. there, you know, we're moving towards this key uh, word or or key ability tribal, tribal. like Trample Tribal, Death Touch Tribal, Menace Tribal. So as that continues to happen and it feels like they're leaning into that direction, those are going to be real decks in the future. And Zagris, so Zagris might be like the linchpin of a, a good Death Touch Tribal deck, you know, in the next couple of years. Keep an eye out. And often it'll reduce, be reduced by like one or two maybe. Just, Which is pretty good. Incidentally, yeah. Yeah. All right. The very final legendary creature that we're going to talk about and the final one from this set is Zareth San, the Trickster. It's three, a blue and a black for a 4-4 Merfolk Rogue. Has Flash. And you can... Uh. <laughs> you can pay two, a blue and a black and return an unblocked attacking rogue you control to its owner's hand. Put Zareth San, the Trickster, from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So that is just straight up ninjutsu, but it's for an unblocked rogue. Rogue jutsu. Rogue jutsu, okay. And then whenever Zerathon deals combat damage to a player, you may put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Permanent card. Permanent enchantments. You don't have to pay any mana cards Artifacts. Either. 
creatures, obviously. Planeswalkers. So, you know, this is interesting because when we were doing the Anawan um, pre-con mm-hmm. upgrade, I was like, look, and I was like, why aren't all the ninjas rogues? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, they feel like, similar, yeah, yeah, they're very similar. And so they obviously... It's like saying hounds are dogs. Yeah, and Gavin <laughs> Verhey or somebody over at Wizards, I don't know who designed these, this card or any of these cards, so it's pro- maybe not Gavin. Anyway, somebody over there evidently thought the same thing. And they were like, well, let's just at least create one rogue that has yeah. ninjutsu, right? This actually works really well in the Anawan deck, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I think, like, with this card, you want to start aggressively milling people because who knows what you're going to do. The mill in. matters more, right? Yeah. Because you want to get the best thing out of, if they only have three things in there, what are the chances it's good? But if they have 20 things in there. Yeah, Zareth not good as a commander because you can't return it from, you can't use his ability from the command zone. So I think you have him just in the 99 of Anawan. You'd have to jump through a bunch of hoops to f- get him out and then bounce him back to your hand. But just Crystal Shard and that's Erratic Portal and stuff will get yeah, there. Yeah, And then you're playing Mind Crank because you're doing a lot of damage with Anawans attacking creatures. And then, boom, they're losing life and milling cards. Mirko Vosk dealing combat damage. They're revealing cards from the Traveler Library until they reveal four land cards. So that's going to melt oh, them yeah. super fast. Not not to mention the lands you can reanimate so you can grab like a Gaia's Cradley potentially. Probably the right move a lot of times is to get extra mana. Yeah, Fleet Swallower just uh, mills half their library okay. rounded up. Uh, and then, of course, Sir Conrad the Grim is just, again, a great card here because, you know, creature is going to be put into the graveyard. Also, we get in trouble if we don't mention him at least once per episode. Yeah, so I think, like, this deck is very real now. The Anawan deck does seem like a really fun rogue tribal deck. Yep. Um, especially if you got Zareth Sound in there, and I feel like you're going to want to get him into your hand, tutor him out, just because he seems like one of the best cards in the deck. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like this card quite a bit. I, it's too bad they didn't. it doesn't have... Um, commander rogue jutsu jutsu yeah like like Yuriko Yuriko. does yeah because you you're right it's hard to play this as your commander although i think like phage and there's been some other decks um you know in the history of commander that have been traditionally like templated in a way that makes them very hard to play as commander right and it is fun to try and jump through the hoops to still make them work so i think you know maybe shard and stuff yeah Yeah. you can definitely do it with zareth but people will see it coming for sure Okay, so you want to compare this to Ink Eyes. Yeah, so Ink Eyes is a four black black legendary creature, Rat Ninja. That's a 5-4 with ninjutsu. So three black black return an unblock attacker you control to your hand. And then you put this card on the battlefield from your hand, tap and attacking. So it doesn't care if it's a rogue. It's just any unblocked attacker. Uh, and then whenever Ink Eyes deals combat damage, you may put target creature card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. And it also has one in the black regenerate Ink Eyes. So the question is, this costs one more mana, but it can be any unblocked attacker. And you only get creatures with Ink Eyes. And it's only one color, whereas Zareth stands two, but is you have to have an unblocked rogue but you can put permanence on the battlefield. So I think they're like somewhat similar in power level. Well, the the ninjutsu for Ink Eyes is five and Zareth's on is, is four, four yeah. which is a big difference, I and think. And you get a lot, you get one more color with Zareth and you get permanence. So I think like Ink Eyes in the sort of ninja decks can be a lot of fun, but Zareth's on just seems like it's a little more powerful because you can get planeswalkers and stuff. Also, Zareth's has flash. So on your end step, flashing it in. Right. When nobody's got a, when one player doesn't have a blocker and just kind of, I don't care if it's, you know, because the, the text where it deals combat damage and gets something back out of their graveyard is not tied to the unblocked part. That's a good part. point. That's a good point. So you can really just be like, okay, I'm going to flash out because I have a free attack and I'm going to attack you. I'm going to get a permanent. Yeah, and so maybe you can play Zareth as your commander just because you know you can swing and just damage with him and give him unblockable or whatever. Yeah, although pe- people are on to the fact that you can do that if it's in your command zone. They might kind of be more likely to play a blocker or something. Yep. Yeah. Pretty cool, though. Pretty cool. I like cool. the card. All right. Okay. Quick so, discussion here. Yeah. 
What do we think about the general power level of this set? Keep in mind, this is Zendikar Rising. It's a very flavorful set. It's not specifically about Commander, um, but it does seem like the card generally is, the quality is pretty good. There's a lot of build arounds. Nothing gets busted, which is the thing I care about the most. Yeah, there's no Keenan. There's no Tulane. There's no, no Tulane, yeah. Urza. There's no Vanifar, at least as far as we can tell. Sometimes there are like some that in there that are hidden more than others. Yeah, there is an Omnath. <laughs> the but... Omnath is probably the most pa- well, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. We're going to ask what the most powerful commander is. Yeah. Um but I think Omnath is not There's nothing that's just obviously top of the line powerful right out the gate yeah. without thinking about it hard. Like now there might a... Yeah. There might be some that can can get there, but in general, there's just, yeah, Keenan is the one, right? It's just like so obviously crazy powerful. I think this is actually slightly higher than normal power level that you would expect. And I like it because it's so flavorful and based around landfall. So I feel like if the set has good core mechanics, you're in for a better commander experience. Because hmm. they just have more options or more fun ways to deal with it. Because landfall, again, is just something that's going to be very applicable to commander in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then Obun and Anawan, I said this earlier, but I think those are these are right at the exact power level. Like good for entry level. They are four mana commanders, which is like right that sweet spot. You know, if it's two or three mana, then you're getting into the maybe CDH range. So I think that's the right level for them too. So I, I actually I appreciate the design of these two cards. Yeah, I think they're both good, and they're they're like it's written on each card, sort of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. The fact that Anawan is tied to the milling is the only thing that I don't love about the design right. of both these cards. I think they sit at a good power level, though. I don't know why they had to tie that card draw to the mill, but whatever. Maybe they wanted to make it so that you didn't quite draw one card every time you hit with a rogue. So yeah. I think that's fine. Uh, but I think these set decks, these pre-con decks, um, if, if all the sets are kind of like this, I think that's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah. Do we know the price point for them yet? We don't at the time of this okay. release. Let's but hope it's not We too still crazy. believe that it's going to be low, lower by quite a bit than the normal uh, Commander Precon. So hopefully that's true. Boy, I hope that's true. Okay, let's talk about our choice for most powerful new Commander. I think we're both pretty settled on this. Let me think. Let me look here. Vamp for a second. Talk about something, Jimmy. Okay, so uh, you all know I love red. And uh, that actually is... The yeah. truth. That's the truth. I love red. <laughs> I love, you know, I, th- I was thinking about my commander strategy, and sometimes I, you know, I played so much at this point that I do really do enjoy the throw like a fireball in the middle of the table and see what happens and then whoever can recover the best from that like wins the game (laughs) like it could be me it could be someone else but i just like throwing in that that's my version of like casting a chaotic a chaos card which is just i am the chaos (laughs) (laughs) see what happens all right, good. Thank you for vamping. I, I appreciate that little insight into Jimmy's mind. <laughs> no worries. All right. Um, okay. Most powerful new commander. The nominees are? Yeah. Okay. Kaza, Royal Chaser. This is the cares about how many wizards you have and reduces the cost of instants and sorceries. Morag, Fury of Akum. This is the landfall, take an extra combat step. Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. This is the one that turns all your non-token creatures into forest lands in addition to their other types. And then Omnath, the four color, which draws a card when ETBs and then basically gives you life, but gives you four mana when you can hit landfall twice in a turn. And then also incidentally, sometimes deals damage to everybody. It's really that four mana and drawing a card when you ETBs that makes it. Uh, so disgusting. It, and it's four color. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, 
You know which one you think is the most powerful? Oh, yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Omnath. Yeah. It also has four colors, which kind of like makes it a winner already because it can just play more cards. Uh, I think Kaz is actually kind of close. I could see this being a very combo-tastic deck. Um, it will do a lot of work in the right build of a deck. It will start reducing mana costs like crazy, especially if you start untapping it as well. But Omnath just by itself is powerful. I think Ashaya is going to be surprisingly powerful. I think mm-hmm. people are going to find out more interesting ways to use that ability. Um, and green's already the most powerful color in Commander. Yeah. And seems to just get more powerful with every single set. So just mono green doesn't hurt you as much as being mono red, yeah, let's say. Yeah, totally. So I think I would put Ashaya maybe as the second most powerful. But... I, I like what we talked about a second ago with the g- general power level of commanders in this set. There's just doesn't seem to be a lot of like insanely broken stuff, but there is a decent amount of interesting things. Yeah, and puts you in a direction. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes it easier to build for a lot of people too. Because sometimes you see a card like Omnath and like, I don't actually know what direction I'd want to go with it right. if I wanted to build it. Because like, I'd be like, oh, do I want to go more in this way? Or do I want to just try and get that triple landfall trigger and win that way? You know, so I think like having a Kiri... Put equipment on creatures, swing draw cards. I like my Akiri deck that I built quite a bit. So that's a, it's a cool one. I don't think it's among the most powerful, but that just shows that like just power level isn't the only thing that makes you like a commander or not, right? Yep. Okay. How about favorite overall new commander? Okay. Well, I maybe just gave mine away. (laughs) Well, mine is definitely Morag uh, because I think it's just, again, like even if you're not playing it as commander, I think this is just a really fun red card. It's not a guaranteed win if you do happen to have it go off, but it is a very powerful thing to do. Um, you know, mine's Akiri, Fearless Voyager. I, I just think it's a fun commander deck, and it, it makes it fun for me to play Boros, which I can't s- often say. I, I have a Feather deck, and I have an Akiri deck. Oh, nice. And Two so, Boros decks. Well, I do have a Fire Song and Sunspeaker deck, but it's not that great. So It's been, hasn't been disassembled yet. It hasn't been, been nice. tweaked or tuned up, and it probably won't be. Um, yeah. You know, one card we didn't mention in the most powerful that is possibly could be in that discussion is Ora, mm. the Skyclave Hierophant, the one that scrap trawlers for clerics. For clerics, yeah. There are a yeah. lot of clerics out now. So. And it might take some time for people to figure out like what how those combos sort of work together, but that's the type of thing that is very powerful. Yeah, same with Kaza, of course, and yeah. we already mentioned that. Okay, well, to the listeners, what is your favorite new legendary creature from Zendikar Rising? Are there any cool interactions or combos that we just completely missed? Let us know in the comments, tweet at us, post on our Instagram, whatever you want to do to get the message out. You can also email us, or if you're our Discord uh, as a Patreon member, you can let us know there too. Yeah, just let us know anywhere that you can find us. Uh, And if you want to find any of these cards that we talked about today, if you want to build a new deck around any of these cool new commanders, if you want to get your hands on the Zendikar Rising a booster box, these sweet a collector's booster, modal cards, yeah, the these modal dual face, double faced uh, land cards that you're going to go in a lot of your decks. Just go to cardkingdom.com/slash command zone. You know you're going to buy these magic cards anyway, and if you just use that affiliate link when you do, you really are simultaneously getting the cards you need for your deck and just incidentally supporting the content that you enjoy. We really oh. appreciate everybody that does that. Yeah. Yep. And when you get those cards, of course, sleeve them up in Ultra Pro, put them in a hard shell case, or just into the new glossy eclipse sleeves into a sweet deck box onto an awesome playmat theme your stuff ultra pro gives you the option to do so much with your cards so once you're done building your deck the journey doesn't end there are you going to theme out your playmat are you going to get one of those sweet blank playmats and then get oh, artists yeah. at a magic fest to draw and sign on them there's a lot you can Someday do when we can go to magic fest yeah. again uh don't forget also to buy the epic play playmat still on kickstarter but for a very very limited time the timer is running out quickly the links are going to be in the show more box below. Make sure you do that. When you don't, well, you're not going to get this playmat. And when someone else whips it out in front of you, you're going to be like, darn, that is an amazing, beautiful Ultra playmat with the art by Jesper Ising, world-renowned artist. So don't forget, and also support Ultra Pro because you're supporting this show. 
All right, uh, we're going to skip the end step today because this episode is already really, really long, and the next yeah. episode is going to be a set review, really, really which long. will also be very, very long. So we're going to let you all go. Thanks for watching. Oh, wait. Got a shout out. Special thanks to, to our peeps. editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Sam Waldo, and Patrick Nunn. Yay. And of course, Jeffrey Palmer, big thanks. You do the living card animations behind us on set. They start our show. And also, Sam Waldo has made some of the animations that end our show and also some is live behind us. You can find Jeffrey online, though, at Living Cards MTG. Whew, this episode is so long. I was just trying to end it early. Well, I'm done with it. I'm out. Bye. Bye. Peace. Peace. <laughs>